All right. And we are live. The last word with Lord Cognito and Ibatis special edition Sunday night campfire. Nice little special guest, little pre-launch action. E, what's going on, man? Uh, it has been, uh, there's so much going on. It's been <laughs> kind of crazy, but we are on the cusp of kind of the next era of destiny. It's, oh, yeah. it's a big deal. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss and a lot of hype. But we have an awesome gentleman waiting in the wings, so let's let's get him in here the only way we know how. So bring him in, E. Welcome to the Last Word, episode one twenty-seven. What a week it has been, and what a week that lies ahead. As we wrap our third year on Destiny Two and our sixth in the franchise, we couldn't have a better guest joining us tonight to celebrate the launch of the next expansion and the start in in the start of the new trilogy in Destiny's universe. Our guest tonight is a Renaissance man for sure. His gaming journey started with flying games, joysticks, dogfighting, and all. It seems like that interest was deeper than just gaming, though, as he is now a real-life pilot. Hashtag, please take me to Guardian Con. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Whether whether it be his time underwater as an experienced scuba diver or taking another go at the links, this man is no doubt a man of many talents. His gaming history also includes strategy games, which, of course, it matched his analytical nature. And, of course... Like many, he was on red, red alert at some point in his times. He first tried Halo through a demo, and it was then he knew he wouldn't be the same. Since then, it's been a love affair of first-person shooters and bungee games, so you know Destiny was inevitable. So I'd like Ooh. to introduce a man who is known as a raid boss in early season Iron Banner, a crucible sandbox analyzer, master of cones, forsaken Ooh. gameplay specialist, mm. Destiny content contributor, contributor from Reddit to PC Gamer, co-host of the Massive Breakdown podcast, Mr. High Risk, High Reward, the one, the only spreadsheet Ooh. man himself, Mercules. How are you doing, sir? Oh my God, that was a hell of an introduction. I don't know. <laughs> That I have ever been introduced that way before, but I like it. I'm gonna start. It. I'm gonna need to record that and start playing it before I walk into rooms for business meetings from now on. You're good. The audio will be up later. You can take it. Yeah, like you, you guys don't like- know who I am, but yeah, <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. A lot. I appreciate, it, man. I'm I'm happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me on the podcast. I'm looking forward to talking about some destiny. Absolutely. Absolute pleasure, man. I mean, big time fan. I know we all of us were trying to get this schedule together to make it happen. So it actually worked out really good. Pre-launch. You know what I mean? Right before. But uh, first of all, like, how you been, man? I mean, just in general, we, I know we talked briefly about getting ready for Destiny, but like how how excited are you? And then um, just in general, you know what I'm saying? How you been? I mean, I'm stoked. I think this is the biggest thing that's probably ever happened to Destiny. I mean, I know Taken King was like a hard reset. Forsaken was a hard reset. Both those things were huge. But um, this is this is the next generation of Destiny, right? Because we know that they're not going to do a Destiny 3 anymore. So this is going to show us what they plan to do with Destiny 2. And like you said, it's a new trilogy. Um, I'm excited about it. I think this is going to be huge. And and thankfully, the foundation that they're building on is pretty solid now. After a couple of years of working on it, I feel like they've gotten the game to a good place. Uh, so I'm really just super stoked for it. And I've been playing a ton, even though I barely have any time to actually do it. Like I'm still, <laughs> I'm playing on all my characters. I'm working out my Titan, which I ha- I barely have done at all. Like I'm, I'm a hunter main, uh, obviously, you know, <laughs> hunter? hunter master race, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been working the Titan out. I've been working the Warlock out. I've been trying all the different cheat strategies, like you guys said. Raid boss and Iron Banner, man. I got that. Uh, I got that Ariana's bound and empowering rift one shot going oh, on. Oh my god! Like that. So I was like, anything oh, that I terrible. think is gonna 
upset people with shotguns is like my forte so if i can <laughs> use a bastion and, and pissing people off then i'm good to go so my prep basically is like how can i ruin everyone's day in pvp on oh, yeah. day that, one of this new expansion yeah december 8th i think it is on the schedule stay out of iron banner this man is going to be running rampant mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's what's up man want to get into this little history with this with the legendary mark seriously man you have quite mm-hmm. a history from like, I got to ask, like, you started obviously playing games. I mean, I played some, like, you know, joystick games and stuff. I played, like, the old Top Gun and things like that on a joystick. And obviously you did as well. How in the world did you go from, was it just, like, did anybody else have any influence to take you from, like, a flight sim combat dogfighting game to actually be get, like, your pilot's license and be a pilot? Like, how did that go from yeah. one side to the other like is fight well is my fight. dad was actually a pilot and my granddad was a pilot so i'm actually a third generation pilot in my family so oh, wow. i was always probably going to be a pilot anyways but mm-hmm. it just happened that because i grew up around so much aviation related uh stuff that the first games that i took to were flight simulators mm-hmm. um my dad's actually the one who bought me my first game which was a flight simulator it's called dawn of aces it's like yep. a very very old game that like i mean if you guys ever look up the graphics it's crazy like how old that game looks now but like that was my first game and he bought me a joystick and he bought me the game because i was you know single digit ages obviously couldn't fly an airplane for myself so Mm -hmm. then you know as soon as i had the money to basically afford it Mm because unfortunately flying is quite expensive but as soon as i was in college and i was working i saved up a little bit of money and i could afford it then i got my pods license so nice nice that's pretty awesome i mean you know, being as you said, you're coming from that like whole generation of family of pilots and stuff like that. Like, it just to me is like, I always think as a kid, it would be daunting, like at that young early, but it, it almost seems like you kind of were indoctrinated in that that culture as far as just flying games and things of that nature. Yeah, it was normal to me, right? Like mm-hmm. flying wasn't something to be scared of or something that was intimidating. It was something that my granddad did and my dad did. And obviously mm-hmm. they had a bunch of friends who were also pilots. So to me, mm-hmm. it wasn't ever something that I looked at and I was like, oh, that's crazy that people do that to me it was just something very normal it was like driving a car to work like oh on the gotcha. weekends you go and you fly your airplane right like, that was just <laughs> what it was so i'm fortunate to have been you know lucky enough to be raised in something like that where it was normal and it wasn't anything crazier out there um so right. i'm very thankful for that but yeah to me it was just like a thing mm-hmm. no fair enough fair enough speaking of which uh how are you feeling about that new microsoft uh, flight simulator sir Dude, I wish I had a computer. <laughs> I wish I had a computer that could run that thing on anywhere you, close to the highest settings. I think I'm, everybody wishes they had a computer that could yeah, run it because nobody can. <laughs> I have like a. I mean, I don't have a desktop PC anymore because mm-hmm. I just I do almost all my gaming on Xbox at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just more of like I like gaming from the couch more so than I do like gaming from a chair. Ding, so ding, I do ding. all my gaming on Xbox. I got rid of my last de- desktop that I've had, and all I've had since then are like they're relatively high powered laptops because I have to right. do design work for my actual job. But like. Even these things struggle to run the games on like the high fidelities that I really, really <laughs> yeah. want. So yeah. I got an Xbox Series S on pre-order, and okay. then for Christmas, I'm treating myself to a 4K TV and a Series X. Okay, so, so we uh, doing we doing we we doing that OLED though, right? We doing that OLED, correct? Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the nicest thing. I mean, I'm I'm moving all of my TVs. Like I have a TV in a guest bedroom, I have a TV in an office, and I have a TV in the living room, and I'm okay. like shifting them all up. Oh, right, so like the current living room TV is going to my office. The current office TV is going to the guest bedroom, and then we're getting a new TV for the living room. So I feel the one that's going in the living room is going to be the nicest TV that I can possibly get at that point in time. So I gotta, I'm going to hang on to it for like you know a long time. So yeah. it's got to be top of the line right now. So it's not Absolutely. outdated in a year. Absolutely, man. Get that 4K 120, that variable refresh rate. 
You're gonna be good to go, man. You'll be rocking and rolling on that. That series. Field of view slider on Xbox now. Oh my god. Oh, can't wait. December eighth can't come soon enough. There's so many people that are just console gamers that truly don't know what's coming. I'm. I'm. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for people's like reactions, like just completely dumbfounded. The field of view, the 60 frames per second. Destiny is a gorgeous game on like on PC. And like mm-hmm. so many people are about to experience, it. and you got 4K OLED, you're like 65 inch couch. You're like, um, you mm-hmm. may as well just strap in for the roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. I mean, I knew because I was all Xbox, but then when I went out and actually worked at Bungie, everything there was PC, right? Mm. So like, I went from <laughs> playing on Xbox to playing on PC, and like, of course, they have monster rigs out there. Oh yeah, play as much as they need, and I was just like, oh no, like this is gonna be so hard to go back to my Xbox. It's like I can't afford a what it basically amounts to. A, two thousand dollar like desktop yep that's mm-hmm. pre-built by the specialist they have out there and like it was like oh god man this is gonna be hard and sure enough it was of like, course. it was it's As hard it to go be. back to 30 fps which sometimes the- drops lower than that on xbox <laughs> when you're in like yeah. a raid or something and that oh, super yeah. limited field of view that makes you feel like you're like moving through molasses basically but, <laughs> i know it's yeah. molasses facts yeah dude no, that's hard i mean I, I realized how much you could take advantage of having a wider field of view like you can see it on xbox like players lose track in pvp of other players so easily because you're just so narrowed in your cone so yep. small that like you sidestep or do something and you can like see the player like looking all over the place like, trying to find the person <laughs> that's why hunters especially as you as a hunter on console you're like terrifying for most mm-hmm. people i would say is because like you jump up once and they're like where is and you're dead but, and it's yeah you did yeah, it's trouble. So I, I refuse to use uh, Stompies. Like, I just flat out will because, I mean, this is a Let this me hear this. This is a personal drawback of Let's get mine, it. but, like, I despise meta with just, like, a burning passion. Like, I refuse to use anything that is meta. Won't use Blade Dancer, won't use Spectral Blades, won't use Stompies, won't use Shotguns, won't use Hand Cannons. Like, I just, I don't like it, man. Like, I, I feel you. to me, part of the challenge of gaming is, like, challenging yourself and yes. all those things just give you such a huge leg up and such a huge advantage over other mm-hmm. stuff that I don't feel like it's as challenging. But granted, that's the type of player I am. I'm not playing the same way. I was trying to go flawless every single weekend. Like I'm playing 6v6 because I think that's actually where Destiny Sandbox is at its best. When it's a little bit chaotic and it's a little bit imbalanced. Mm-hmm. And to me, like using, you know, not forgotten and a shotgun and stompies on a blade dancer is just stacking the deck so far in my favor that i don't feel like it's fun to play that way so Mm -hmm. i'm using the stuff that counters all that stuff basically i'm using an invis night stalker and a bastion and you you and bastion is i've heard you talk about that one that's one of those you're like just just shut them down nobody listened Mm -hmm. to me like long long time ago like months and months and months before people started complaining about bastion i was talking about a massive breakdown podcast and i was like I tested it out. I thought it was going to be garbage. Like y'all don't understand. It's incredibly good. You got to mm-hmm. start using it. Like you can shut down supers. You can crush shotgunners. Like mm-hmm. I legitimately think it's one of the strongest guns in the game and nobody's playing with it. And then Nobody months later, mm-hmm. now everybody talks about how much they hate Bastion <laughs> because you know, it's like, it's, it's just gone to a different point. I was like, I, I think, I think it's safe for a little while though. So you at least get a little more time to use it. That's for sure. I would be kind of surprised if they nerfed Bastion. Like the stuff that people complain about a lot of times comes from uneducation on the gun. Like, I hear people saying like, oh, the range is crazy. It's like, nah, Arantil and it's nerfed state still has a longer range than Bastion <laughs> by like several meters. Like y'all, y'all don't know what you're talking about. The only thing that it has that's actually strong is that it can shut down supers. But I think that that's a problem with how much damage resistance supers have as opposed to it being a problem with Bastion. I think more special weapons should be able to counter supers yep. as opposed to removing the only one that really can. Because, right. you know, 
supers are still, and this is, I love doing these comparisons to Destiny 1, but like Destiny 2 supers, two of a unit are infinitely stronger than Destiny 1 supers. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not even close. Like, mm-hmm. Destiny what... 1 supers were like Nova Bomb, Fist of Havoc. Now it's like traveling Fist of Havoc with unlimited <laughs> shoulder charges. Well, it's like, it's and you're like, crazy. Sorry? We've taken yeah. it up to level 12 now. They, yeah. they talk about power creep, but like, that was the biggest power creep they ever did and they still have not the sandbox is still not recovered from how strong they made running super mm-hmm. so well that's like a top tree dawnblade right now oh Let's my god it. yeah it is it is strong that it's is strong. terrifying and that's why like mm-hmm. you see a super pop do you do whatever it's like i'm gonna go hide because it yeah. doesn't make much sense to do much else at this point if you're mm-hmm. an amazing sniper or you run bastion like this man you you got a shot but for bastion you still would have to like bait him around a corner have it charged up and then catch him right and make sure they don't throw a you know fire sword in your face basically it, mm-hmm. it's not really a real shot like your, your only chance is pretty much team shot them and hope that they're just terrible at their super which almost none of them are because right. it's so easy to be good or you know hope that you're great with the sniper but they have so much mobility that even that's really hard i mean yeah it's that's the one thing i still don't like about destiny sandbox is that the supers are so wildly overpowered right now and mm-hmm. like uh, it's actually Josh Hammer who no longer works at Bungie, but he worked there when I was working there. We had a lot of conversations about this, but one of the things mm-hmm. that he said is like, if you have a win button, right? Like the win button needs to be super, super limited. So that yeah. was the problem that people had in Halo Reach with uh, Armor Lock. It was yes. like it was a win button and it was an easy to use win button and had a lot of uptime and a lot of utility and it lasted for a long time. That's why people didn't like it. That's why mm-hmm. Fist of Havoc in D1 was a one and done and that was it. Right. Because it's a win button, but like you have to be pretty close to them and you just right. get one shot and like that's it. Same thing with Nova Bomb. The problem is yep. you've got a bunch of supers that are win buttons that last for 30 seconds and can go all the way across the map and back and they're tanky and they're fast. <laughs> yep. So, and a lot of them like regen health on kills. So it's like, yes, it's a win button that's a win button that lasts seven times. And, that's a good you know, point. It, and the problem is, is for the player who is using that, like, sure, it's a ton of fun, but for mm. every player they kill, it's not very much fun because you feel like there's nothing you can do. You feel like you're helpless. Right. So you right. end up making one player feel like a god at the expense of potentially making six players on the other team feel like they're garbage. Right. And that's an uneven balance, basically. So mm-hmm. well, and the other mm-hmm. issue is you take something like that where some of these supers, the people who like pair the right exotic with it, have the right stats so they get it up more frequently and work with like a, even a medium sized team where they start sharing supers and orbs it gets to be a vicious cycle to where you're saying is like, it's already a win button. Now you have a win button that just cycles between three or four people even more when they start popping it. That's where, especially as we're going to have a lot of new people coming into beyond light, for example, new lights getting the new experience. They're going to be like, Oh, what's this? Holy hell. What is crucible? Like that's not even a the fair ball game when they jump in and face somebody like who knows what they're doing with a super and an exotic that they don't have yet. And they're like, he, the same guy killed me three times with a super. Like, that's hap- that's that happens, happens like, that shouldn't yeah. happen i know that absolutely to me and i'm a good player like it's mm-hmm. going to happen to new players and unfortunately it's probably going to turn them off of it but right. you know there were decisions no. that were made about the sandbox and what they wanted to be strong in the sandbox and they felt that supers were one of the really enjoyable parts of the game like one of the really fun right. parts of the game really unique part of the game so mm. they went all in on making them really strong but i think it comes at the overall detriment of the sandbox you make some good points. I want to double back though on something you said earlier in reference to the meta and in reference to kind of picking non-meta weapons or counters to meta stuff. And it really resonates with me because I'm the same way. Like it's almost like everybody's doing that. Like I just can't do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's too easy. 
to just fall in that box. Now, yeah, granted, if I get pissed off and nothing's going on, maybe I might, you know, you know, resort once in a while. But you feel dirty doing it. Like, ah, I'm doing what these guys are doing. But, yeah, it's like one thing about Destiny that I really feel is like there's so many hidden gems that people think are not effective. It's just that they're not being utilized. And then when you actually utilize them and you, you strategize, like what you were saying with um, Bastion and other, other weapons, it, it you realize like, yo, these are still powerful. These are still effective. You know what I'm saying? And I know everyone gets caught up with time to kill and we get it, but I, I definitely feel what you're saying in reference to, there are a ton of what I consider sleeper weapons, sleeper builds, sleeper classes that are not utilized as much that people think are not effective. They're just going, it's just beelining to a meta and, you know, time to kill kind of stuff. And there's still a lot of stuff out there. So salute on that. Cause I, I definitely was, like, was going to say shout out to like Nim plays. Like that is a man that will embrace the, yes. What, what is the, what is the super, the warping warlock? What is oh, the yeah, one that's like Nova warp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nova warp. Like he, he will just make people just miss juke dodge. He has so much. I just love his clips that he'll put up because nobody mm -hmm. uses that one, but that is like, that is his baby and he's mastered it. And I'd love to see somebody take something, as you said, not meta and be like, I'm still just going to mess with your head with something that you don't even see coming, which is even the best mm -hmm. part. Cause then they're not even sure how to counter it, which is Nim's probably why at that too. Like I've watched him do. He's very good. And he's, yeah, he's good. It's actually real impressive. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Shout out to Nazby Adam on, man. That's good people. Yeah, man. What does she got? E? Uh, I mean, for you, I just wanted to ask, you kind of blew past it a little bit, but dude, you got to work at Bungie. Woo! <laughs> yeah. It was uh, humble flex. It was cool. Man. Like, I was going to say, I, there's probably some stuff you can't say, but it was for, it was for Forsaken, correct? Yeah. Free so Forsaken. we worked on, um, we worked on Forsaken specifically. And then like Black Armory was just getting started okay. when I was, uh, headed out. Um, mm -hmm. most of the stuff like. The way the NDA works is like I obviously can't talk about any like internal stuff, but right. the stuff that I was working on once it went into the game, then I was allowed to talk about it again. So okay. it wasn't like you know I'm forbidden from ever speaking about anything. <laughs> I talk about it a decent amount on on my podcast as well and on mm -hmm. uh, firing range and stuff like that. You know, Absolutely. but Absolutely. it was an incredible experience, man. Like it was mm -hmm. for as long as I've been involved in first person shooters, I was like had the dream like every kid does of like working at Bungie oh, yeah. on like Halo or Destiny or something like that. And then to actually get the call and Ooh. be like, Hey, we want to offer you this position was like legitimately a dream come true. I could not so believe it. I was so stoked. I dropped everything that I was doing here, which is wow. actually, you know, really hard to do and yeah. like went out there and worked on it. And it was every bit as amazing as you think it'd be like all mm. the people out there are super passionate about the game and they really, really love it. And there's a ton of people who play the game super hardcore uh, mm. at the, the studio and like we got together in a group and just played destiny all the time and <laughs> Dude, like that's awesome had some awesome like these discussions that we have where like i argue about the meta and i argue about all stuff like i was doing that at bungie with the people who were designing the meta like <laughs> the nice. feedback that i was giving was like being directly worked on and like the next day and the next build like mm. we would see the results of some of the stuff that we said like you know some mm. of the stuff they didn't listen to me like i told them one eyed mask was going to be super broken Oh, you totally for yeah, but like they, oh. we. So I was like hardcore abusing it and Wave Splitter too, which I didn't realize uh, was a PS exclusive. That broke my heart because I'm an Xbox oh, player. Yeah, but yeah, sure I was yeah. like super abusing that in some of the play tests, and I was telling him, and I was like, "This is like, this is way over the top. Super good. Like you guys just nerfed Wormhus Crown, and Wormhus mm -hmm. Crown is nothing compared to what this is going to be." <laughs> and they were like, "Well, a lot of the other play tests don't seem to have the same opinion. Like some people think it's too hard to activate it. They don't see it activated enough. It's like." 
Well, yeah, if you're like a sub 1.0 KD player, like you're not going to see that take. If you're terrible. But I'm getting 40 kills a game, which means I have all 100% uptime on this. Like I constantly have an overshield and tracking and bonus damage. Like I'm spending my entire game with an overshield and tracking bonus damage. Like this is awesome. And they were like, okay, well, we'll see how it goes. And then, you know. Sure enough, of it was. And same thing with Wave Splitter, too. I was like, yeah. I can melt people with Wave Splitter. Like, Wave Splitter is awesome. And oh, they're yeah. like, oh, well, we'll see. So some of the stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other stuff, too. Like, we we had a ton of good discussions just about the way the game should feel and about certain, mm-hmm. you know, weapons and playlists. I mean, I probably played the Forsaken campaign, I legitimately believe, from start to finish, like, 24 times while wow. I was out there. Like, wow. a, we played it uh super under leveled solo super over leveled solo at light level solo at light levels of three man under levels of three man over light mm. levels of three man like so we could get this huge like swath of like how's it feel and i told him like flat out the most mm. fun i ever had playing pve mm. uh solo in destiny was playing that 30 light levels under that entire campaign mm. 30 light levels under and locked wow. 30 light levels under the whole way wow. because it felt like Every one of those uh, adventures where you killed one of the barons felt like a mini raid boss because, mm. like, you were so under leveled that they could one or two shot you, and you had to mm. learn all their mechanics, you had to learn all their movements, you had to learn all this stuff. I spent two hours trying to kill the machinist, right? Wow, which Ooh, in the actual campaign one, yeah. is like in the actual campaign, it's like 10 or 15 minutes, and it's like, okay, you kind of figured out, and then you're just like done, and you like don't even realize that she has like all these like this huge swath of abilities that she uses depending on what you're doing, but you never realize it because in the campaign, you're just like kind of nuke her because you're like, yeah, melt her. that's a good point. But I was 30 yeah. light levels under, couldn't nuke her, was like scrounging for ammo, like equipping the best blues that I had to try to like get into <laughs> the thing. And it was like doing all this stuff. And I remember starting at like 10 AM and going all the way until lunch and beating her like one minute before it was time to like go to lunch and just being like, yes, <laughs> yes, like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> And it's like that's the type of reaction that like I feel like you don't really get in the story and, and oh, yeah. in this game at all. No, but for really me, don't. it was a freaking awesome experience and like a great memory that I have of working out there. So Dude, that that is awesome. I mean, first of all, salute because like you said, like dream come true kind of position. You know what I mean? Like and to be able to stop what you're doing, head out there, you know, kind of chase your dream, so to speak, and also to be selected, right? How does how good does that feel, right? When when you get the call, it's like, yo, because of what you're doing in the community. We feel you're a good representative and who we want testing our product, a.k.a. your favorite game. So, like, how dope is that? And then in general, what I was going to ask you was just like, um, what do you think? You know, obviously, can't talk about what you can't talk about, but just general generalization. Like, what do you think are kind of the biggest misconceptions about Bungie and the sandbox that maybe most of us gamers don't realize? You know what I mean? That you go through. Mm, I mean, a lot of stuff like I... I really wanted to write a huge long post on Reddit when I got back out and Deej actually told me like, nah, like don't bring that on yourself. Like it's not worth it. Like Mm. we don't need you to defend us as a company. We don't need you to defend us as people. Like Mm. we're fine on our own. Like don't write anything because there are so many misconceptions that are so Mm. just egregious and like almost not even almost, they are insulting to the people who like work on the game. Mm. Like the first is like, they're just money grubbers. They don't care about people. Like they're just trying to steal your money through Eververse and stuff like that. Like that's, so far from the truth and it is really frustrating actually knowing and working with the people who worked on eververse and like how much they go out of their way to try to make it a better experience and do they always get it right like no of course not right they don't always get it right sometimes it is frustrating sometimes it feels like it's anti-consumer but it never really is considering what it is that they're doing and how much worse it could be but people are 
I hesitate to say entitled because it's not necessarily the right thing, but like people think that they deserve a certain thing from a company for a certain amount of money. And, right. you know, they're still a business, right? Like they have yeah, operating expenses and they have costs and they have stakeholders Absolutely. of care, right? But they're not trying to screw us as a consumer. No, they're, they're just not trying to do that. The second thing is that they think that nobody there like plays the game and like they don't understand mm-hmm. like oh, that's, the same. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so far from the truth. The same frustrations that we experience, like you could look at the top page of Reddit and it would be the things that we would be talking about in meetings totally independently because we were playing and a lot of people there are playing and share the same frustrations as the player base and mm-hmm. are trying to get things fixed. But there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes like sometimes things just can't be fixed. Like sometimes things are really complicated or the way they're broken is in such a way that it's like a house of cars. And if you pull out one thing to try to fix it, you're going to break a lot more stuff and it's going to make the experience a lot worse. Right. So there's a lot of misconceptions that like Bungie doesn't know what they're doing or they're purposely trying to screw stuff or they're not fixing bugs because they help the player instead of hurt the player. It's like, you know, it's, it's this whole unfortunate thing. And like, a lot of people were really hard on people like Emmy Chung and Luke Smith and stuff like people who are very, much the face of the destiny franchise during that destiny reveal event like there were some people who like put themselves out there and like talked Mm -hmm. about it and because of various things they said like that stuff got pulled out of context and they got kind of got like vilified by the community for a little bit of time and like this was you know this was forsaken this was a couple years ago like this was when destiny 2 had not turned things around yet yeah and was doing badly it was spooky yeah Mm -hmm. and people were just being really really awful to like the people who worked on the game yeah. And it sucked to see that, like, they see that stuff and, like, it affects them. And it's, yeah. like, they're not living in a bubble where they're immune. And the, the horrible things people were saying about them on Reddit were just, like, they resonated inside the studio. And they, like, legitimately mm. made those people, like, sad. And, like, that's wow. tough to see, right? That people wow. don't understand that what they're saying online, like, hurts these people who are trying to make the best game that they possibly can for us to, like, enjoy. But, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the internet. There's always shitty people on the internet. So no, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's funny you said that because my brief interactions with Deej, I kind of pulled him to the side after we we saw the um yep. the presentation at, at, at GCX, and um I was just like, man, I know we could be tough and ridiculous sometimes. I know us, and he's like, no, man, our job is to serve the customer. And he was like, you ain't got to. He kind of said the same thing, like you ain't got to defend us. You know what I'm saying? But I was just like. I, I know it because, you know, even, you know, I, I've fallen real victim like, yo, I don't understand, you know, and it's like all they should do is that it, it's not that easy. You know what I'm saying? So you got to have empathy. You got to understand what they're going through. And again, like you said, they're humans, you know, they see everything like we see. You open up Reddit, and you, you know, you see all you, oh, your game sucks and this and that. But what the key that I always tell gamers, don't personalize it know how to get your construction constructive criticism out in a way where you're not being disrespectful you know what i'm saying and didn't verbalize your point the correct way but i, I feel what you're saying definitely yeah they told us mm-hmm. the best way because we even had that issue when we went out there like none of the mm-hmm. three of us were developers in the sense of like we're game developers like i work in software development holtzman had worked in software development before nice. like modding and stuff like that but not like direct development i'm mm-hmm. i mean i guess technically the comparative term for bungie would be a producer so like i don't actually directly code i run the dev teams that do all the actual work, right? But okay. so I'm around them and I see how it's going, right? But even I had to like learn how to provide feedback in a certain way out there to them. And what they said is like the best type of feedback you can give is a specific example. Like this made me feel this way. Like mm. this action or inaction made me feel unhappy, sad, frustrated, like putting the game down, like turning the game off, blah, 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 blah. Mm. 
what I was expecting was this, what I would have preferred was this, stuff like that. But like, don't tell them how to do that, right? <laughs> Just say like, uh, this weapon dropping uh, didn't make me feel happy because it felt like it was unearned. I would have preferred had I earned it from this, right? And then gotcha. let them work the back end to how to get to that preferred feeling or how to get to that preferred action as opposed to you telling them, I think you should do it this way because that right. doesn't necessarily work. So I learned a lot about that. And like the first couple of weeks we were out there, we even, you know, we had to have meetings with like Leucia team be like, okay, how do we give this feedback to this development team that very much like we're game players and they're game developers. Like how do we right. bridge the gap between the gap. two of us? So we're not, so they don't feel like we're ready yelling at them basically. Right. Yeah. And we don't feel like they're ignoring us and ignoring our feelings and ignoring our feedback. So we were able to bridge that gap successfully. And I think we made a lot of really positive changes to the game. By we, I mean the entire team working on Forsaken, not us, because we all we did was just give feedback. But the team that was working on Forsaken made some incredible changes and some incredible refinements, like even up into like the 11th hour, like, you know, because what happens is the thing goes to cert. And so they stop working on it, you know, X amount of days before it goes live. But then they're working on the day one patch. Yep. Right. And yep. like they're immediately doing that. Like there was no break. There was no stopping. It was just like, we already know these things are going to be a problem. We're going to get it out for the day one patch. It was really incredible to see. So I wanted to ask you actually, and that's kind of one of those things we've talked about before and I feel like I've seen it and we've kind of joked. Destiny is a very specific game because we've talked about this, like the unique way weapons feel and it's the feeling you get from the weapons that you use and Destiny kind of gives people attachment to them. They get a hold of them. Sunset makes them like question like what's going on. But on the other side, we also have like the idea that Bungie is so, so, so data driven. And I was just kind of curious if you... Almost got to see both sides of that because you literally said it yourself. You're like, how does this make you feel? So it's like some of that you can't quantify. But on the other side, like we know they have their data. They change like a auto rifle percentage by like 0.01 damage and stuff like that. I was just kind of curious how you if you can even explain and you may not be able to, but just how it felt to be like how the feel versus like the data and how they kind of made both of those work. No, I the amount of data they have on the back end that they collect is actually insane. It was the most impressive thing that I'd like ever seen what they can collect from players, right? Like wow. you get, you get a hint of it when you look at uh, websites that scrape the API, like destiny tracker and stuff like that, where you can say mm-hmm. average kill distance and crit percentage, right? But the way they are able to combine all of that to make like a profile for player types. And then the way they can break it down by the weapons they use, the subclasses they use, like everything. It's so incredible. What I would say is that I feel like a lot of the decisions they make are, I feel this way. Let's look at the data and see if the data backs up that statement, right? Like, gotcha. I feel like this gun is overpowered and mm-hmm. overused. Let's go look at the data and see if the data backs up the fact that it does kill faster and that it it's getting a disproportionate amount of kills, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the way they use the data is, is very, very uh, safe and very smart. I don't think that necessarily that a lot of their, at least sandbox-wise, I didn't feel like a lot of the decisions they made sandbox-wise were data-driven first. It right. was this is what I feel we should go look at the data and see if this is the case or if it's just an isolated incident. Right. Right. I wish personally that I had access to all their data because like there are a lot of things that people complain about that I would love to be able to point to the data and be like, Nope, you're like (laughs) flat out wrong. And the reason why I can say that stuff is because I look at as many of the numbers as I can before I draw a lot of my conclusions. Right. Like I will, complain about the fact that like, Oh, like during the Lunas Howl thing, like, Oh, I feel like I'm being killed by Lunas Howl a lot. Well, Lunas Howl was making up like 67% of primary kills, despite the fact that it was owned by like, you know, less than a third <laughs> of the population, a third of the right? So it's like, <laughs> something is clearly 
actually incorrect about this. Like this is mm-hmm. not a, a healthy place for it to be. But then you have people who are complaining about Bastion to use the example we've already been on. And they're like, oh, Bastion is overpowered because it has ridiculous range. Well, no, it doesn't. And if you actually looked at the numbers, you would know that it doesn't have ridiculous range, right? Or Bastion is uh, way too used. It's super highly used, the highest level. It's like, no, it's not. Bastion accounts for literally like less than 1% of all special weapon kills. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's really not, right? Like you guys have to look at the numbers. What you are doing is you're going on Twitter and writing, complaining about something that, because it's based on your feel, right? right? But you're not taking the second step, which Bungie does, which is say, okay, you think Bastion's overpowered. Well, let's look at the data. The data doesn't right. share that same opinion. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that like you can't touch something because sometimes like feel like you know like Arbalist right now. Right? Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. I personally think that Arbalist is way too strong. Right, that's mm-hmm. a feeling. The numbers and the usage numbers don't necessarily support that at this exact point in time. Right. However, due to the nerf to low zoom sniper rifles, I think they're mm-hmm. going to start supporting that more and beyond that. <laughs> and so, like, you could preemptively make a decision that the data doesn't necessarily support. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and some of the time, I would do that, like you know, just because Arbalest is going to be Arbalest is going to be a whole other thing. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it won't. No, no, I like honestly, I'd really like, no, I think on, honestly, Arbalest is one of those ones that we don't, we never got to see much of it. The main time we did is when Komodo was there and you saw everybody was like, I have to find a way to get Komodo. I don't get this that often. There's a special. The times that I got shot, but also some of the shots that I hit with that gun should never have happened. I should have hit the post, the Jaguar sign on your wall, not even been near your head. And then I turned out, I'm like, I'll take the kill because I know I'm going for the quest. But I was like, I'm pretty sure that was just trash. If I would roll back the footage and I would just be like, yeah, no. And that's one of those, I think you even, yeah, the aim assist on that. What'd you say? Because I I think I listened to it recently. How high is the aim assist on that? It's not even necessarily that the aim assist stat is high. It's that they went into the back end and they monkeyed with the actual aim assist, like, value itself. So, like, numerically, it has a very high aim assist stat. But it's that the zoom is super, super low. Um, And the actual aim assist cone for linear fusion rifles got buffed, right? So. I don't know how many, I assume there's some overlap between your listeners and like firing ranges listeners, but there's actually a cone around the reticle that is basically the bullet magnetism distance that is like, so your reticle's right in the center, but you know, you can be aiming here next to mm-hmm. my head and still hit me because it's within the aim assist cone. Yep, cool. So they actually took the aim assist cone for linear fusion rifles and like blew it out. Right? Blew it up. And then what happens is when you zoom in on something, that cone compresses based on a factor of the zoom. So the higher your zoom, the more that cone compresses and it gets brought down to a very small amount right because mm-hmm. otherwise you'd have super high zoom weapons with these huge aim assist guns <laughs> oh, and God. they would be like you know you literally wouldn't even be able to see the person's head because you're zoomed in so far and you yeah. get a headshot yeah. right and so the, obviously yeah. they can't do that so the problem with arbalist is that the zoom is really really low it's like slightly higher than scout rifles in mm-hmm. so you have a weapon that kills like a sniper rifle with a huge aim assist cone and like scout mm-hmm. rifle zoom and it's going to end up being just like mm-hmm. No Land Beyond. The same thing happened to No Land Beyond where nobody was using it and then other stuff got nerfed. And yep. all of a sudden people started using it and they realized like, oh, wait, this is really easy to use. Yep. And it's it, going to be the same thing with Arbalist. I, I think you're on to something because remember E, like when we, like you said, with Komodo, right? Like, yeah, it felt really. I re- yeah. I, I remember I was like, okay, what I'm going to use. I'm like, all right, let me dust off Arbalest. And I'm like, yo, this is really good. Like, like it was super easy to get this, like those kills. But continue, I'll, I'll cut you off. No, I mean it's that's pretty much what it is. Like, people are going to start using it, and they're going to be like, oh man, like this is, yeah. This is, like people didn't use it because we got gifted Revoker, and then we got gifted, yeah, uh, Beloved. Like these super right. low zoom snipers, Revoker had a crazy amount of aim assist because again, mm-hmm. low zoom. 
So people started using Revoker and they were like, well, this doesn't have a charge time. Well, the charge time for Arbalest is less than half a second. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when you start hearing that thing fall around a map and you're on like convergence or something like that, you're like, ah, oh, it's going to be a long match. <laughs> and, and you can't counter it because the way flinch works, there's just, you can't counter it with a primary at least. You can counter it if you're a good sniper, you can counter it. And that's why Arbalist isn't used a tremendous amount right now because there's a lot of people using Revoker. Well, Revokers yeah. are hard countered Arbalist. But Revoker right. is going to be Sunset and yeah. low zoom snipers are going to be nerfed. So, yep. you know, the next thing you're going to have is, I guess, uh, Eye of Soul is going to be probably mm-hmm. the next best sniper rifle, or maybe Twilight Oath. I was going to uh, say, if Cool Guy Blast has Wish. anything to say about it, you got Borealis. <laughs> yeah, Borealis is actually, Borealis is Ooh. really good, too. Cool Guy and I have talked about that, but, I mean, he's mm-hmm. correct that it is an aggressive sniper rifle with the stats of a rapid-fire sniper rifle, which, yes. high aim assist, big mag size, you know, it's a great sniper, um, oh, yeah. but it's an exotic, and the exotic perk is relatively useless, so. Yeah. 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 I agree. I just um, if you got anything, yeah, I got a question. Go, go, yeah, you're good. No, I want to shout uh, Mark out because how I actually came across you. I mean, this is like, you know, I'm just getting into Destiny D1. You know, I'm messing around. You know, I jump into trials. I get a little bit of the fever for it, and I never forget because the main Reddit was always Destiny the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, man, okay, this is cool. But I started evolving into a PvP guy. Not that I was great, but I was the most average PvP guy. But I just started getting a feel for it. And I remember people talking about Crucible Playbook. And I'm like, okay, all right, let me check it out. And I remember, man, I would be on this thing every day. And I would see this Mercules name. (laughs) And I would be like, all right. And he, you would just have stuff, either predictions about what's going to happen or what you think would be good in the meta, time to kill. And it was so useful. And it's so funny when I met you because I'm like, yo, this is the dude. Like, I met you at GCX. We had a drink. You don't remember. But at the end, we, we probably drunk. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I was just like, it was so important because as a PvP guy, the thing that people don't realize is like, again, all these weapons, all these stats, what's actually effective? You know what I'm saying? And the way you guys, the way you broke it down was pretty cool. So I want to shout you out for that, number one. And two, like, how did that whole just getting entrenched with, like, Crucible playbook, like, how did that really start for you? Um, well, I was a reader there before I was a poster there. I okay. used to follow EXX Troopers or XX Trooper, however you want to call it. He did the original weapon stat spreadsheet. And he actually, I think, is still around Crucible Playbook. Um, mm-hmm. A decent amount. I see him comment every once in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. But he did the original weapon stats spreadsheet that had all the time to kill stuff on it. Um, but he, I guess he got busy in real life or something, and it stopped getting updated as regularly. And I was like, every new patch that would come out, I would like wait for the updates and be <laughs> like, okay. Because like my thing in V1 was like, I want to find the primary weapon that kills the fastest. fastest I don't care what it is. And like, I'm going to use it because I'll figure out how to like make that work into my game. Right. So, so I would like wait for like the updates and then what eventually happened is it got slow and slow to update. And it also kind of got bloated and which mine is getting bloated right now too. So I'm actually going to have to go through and I'm going to cut it down before beyond light comes out, but mm-hmm. um, which is tomorrow. Beyond light comes out, you know, Tuesday, but basically yes. I have tomorrow to now fix the spreadsheet. Tomorrow so, yeah. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be a busy day for me, but yeah. um, I just started thinking like, well, I'd probably be faster for me to just do this myself instead of like waiting for him to do it at this point in time. Cause I it got to the point where I was like, I don't even know if he's going to come back and do this anymore. And I didn't mm. want to start with his spreadsheet. Cause at that point it's almost harder to like manage someone else's work. Yeah. than it is to just build your own. So I just built my own. 
Um, and I posted it and then a bunch of people came back and were like, Hey, it'd be nice if you started doing this, started doing this. And then people would come to me and they would ask me like, Hey, I see on your spreadsheet that it has this, like, what are the recommended perks for this gun that has this TTK? And then I would like write up a post and send it to them. And then I started doing it for myself. And I would like basically look at a gun and like make notes and be like, okay, uh, I don't want to have to go to planet destiny DB every single time I want to find it. So I'm going to make a little note for myself. That's like, this is the gun here. It's stats. And here's the recommended rule. So that whenever I got a, a weapon to drop, I could just look at like my list and be like, okay, here's the recommended roles for it. Then I was like, why am I writing this for myself and not sharing it with anyone? So mm. then I just started posting it and it originally was just the role guide. It didn't have like any, it had like stats and the recommended roles and that was it. And then people were asking me so many questions about why do you recommend these roles? Mm-hmm. And I started putting the little blurbs underneath them. That and was then about to the, the blurbs. Yeah. I was about the blurbs. I, continue. <laughs> yeah. I need the and info. So, yeah. And then it got to the point where it's like, now it takes me a ton of time and effort to like write those things up. And so it's like, now I don't do them nearly as much because I just don't have the time anymore. But yeah. that's pretty much how it happened. I mean, it was just, I was making something for myself because I wanted to use it. And mm. then it didn't make sense to just like not share it with everyone. And then mm-hmm. the same thing with the role guides. Like I was doing that for myself because I wanted to use them. And again, it just made sense to share it with everyone. So the massive mm. breakdown, like handle that tag mm. just... Yep literally became because the, f- the very first one of those I wrote was something like 40,000 words long, like this holy. ridiculous, like <laughs> huge <laughs> thing. And I literally like the title was massive breakdown because I wanted people to understand like what well, you're about to get like a wall of text. <laughs> in the page, oh, right? yeah. <laughs> and so I put massive breakdown in the title and then someone oh. in the comments, you know, was like, hey, well, thanks for the warning or something like that. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, I'll start putting that on everything else. Here's my dissertation on a gun. And they're like, okay, here we go. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I tracked it when I applied at Bungie. So I got uh, someone reached out to me and said, hey, you should apply for this job. We think it'd be good for you. So I applied for the job. And when I was building my resume, I like went back and I counted up all of, many? The, all mm-hmm. of the stuff that I had written. And it was something like, well, this is like 450 pages worth of wow. destiny content and it was hundreds of thousands of words oh yeah right and it was imagine. like i like looked up i was like it was equivalent length to like a doctoral thesis basically on like destiny weapons that I yeah that's yeah. that's Factual. pretty that's pretty strong resume territory for a gameplay specialist to be like here's my doctorate and they're like oh you came prepared yeah. you're like yeah i know more yeah. about this yeah. than yeah. half of you guys yeah, yeah. we, yeah. we well, qualified sign <laughs> hammer told me he was like like we have an internal tool that we use like track the ttk and everything he's like honestly most of the time we just have your spreadsheet up and he's like <laughs> wow. he's like it's not 100 right about everything because he's like your resiliency estimations like they they don't, their resiliency is like not rounded to or their resiliency is and the way they do all numbers is different than the way the numbers are actually displayed in the game right like it display right. as like a rounded number in the game and they actually in the back end use the real numbers right mm. so he's like so you're going off everything rounded numbers so he's like some of your stuff is a little you know it's not exactly but he's like most of the time we'll just have like your spreadsheet up and we'll just use that because he's like it's easier and faster to just like uh, yeah. look at it and then go for it so, so when you, was when like you heard that i was about to say it's like when you heard that you're like i mean yeah i'd probably just like flush and be like cool thanks <laughs> like yeah, voice crack a, moment like okay thanks. it was pretty awesome <laughs> josh josh was a josh was a really cool guy he's probably one Shout of the people we worked with most closely while we were out there he's a very that was kind of his thing was nice the sandbox person. right yeah he was actually yeah. in charge of it like he, josh yeah hammer. yeah he was the lead lead sandbox designer um mm-hmm. he was there during reach as well 
Um, and we got into many, many long discussions about Bloom and things like that. Yeah, uh, it was, Shout out to Bloom. It, it, was, it was cool, man. Like, I really enjoyed working with those people. And I felt like learning from some of the best people in the industry. It, it, well, obviously, it wasn't just him. There were a lot of people there. John Wisniewski and Claude Jerome. And Wisniewski. some of the guys who are still there. Yeah. yeah. All those guys are over at Probably Monsters now. So probably like, Monsters, yeah. And it, doing their, it's doing funny you said thing, that. But. Yeah, one of my other guys is over there, too. And I was telling him. One of my guys from my dead labs that makes another game on uh, State of Decay. And when I saw their lineup, and I'm like, oh, they got Wisniewski. Oh, they cooking something over there. Nice. Mm-hmm. Whatever probably boss is doing, I don't mean to blow y'all up. But y'all cooking up something nice because y'all got talent. I've seen that roster, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like real impressive, the amount of people they've got over there. It's it's almost, it's not almost all. It's a lot of ex-Bungie people, though. And it was founded yes. by the old CEO of Bungie. So, I mean, oh, yep, so, yep. Yeah, so they're they're going to be killing it whenever they actually, whatever game they release, they're going to be killing it. But um, Absolutely. There's still some great people left at Bungie, too. Like Victor, you guys actually saw in the most recent. Uh, Vidoc mm-hmm. and, and Greg Pang is over there still, too. Although I think he might be doing something mm-hmm. else now, but. Uh, they're they're all great people it was awesome i would like go to lunch and just like sit down and, like talk with these guys about the guns and they'd be like well why do you think this why do you think this and i'll be like well the numbers say this and they're like do that i mean mm. like mm. Are, are you sure about that and i'll be like uh let me go check like, <laughs> so they're yeah, calling was, you out and you're like crap i don't know <laughs> yeah it was fun man like i That's really dope. really really enjoyed that like i was dope I got so deep into the numbers and stuff out there. Like I was sitting at the office testing stuff in private matches, like finding shots to kill and like finding range drop offs and like all this stuff. And it was, it was a freaking blast. Those guys are all geniuses. I have a lot of respect for how well they build the sandbox, considering how many moving parts there are. That's kind of one of the biggest things is like everybody want to forget what it was. It was wither horde. And there was a point where you could break wither hordes damage tick by switching over to mountaintop. And I was like, that alone tells me is like there's so much going on on the back end that is not clear to all of us. Be like, because like the projectile now that's ticking is based on what's actually in your inventory, not it was fired from. I was like, yeah, their code is yeah. I was like, they have put something together, and it's like as you said, it is kind of a house of cards though. I remember, and I think the one you like at least made it pop in my head. The house of cards was when they're trying to flint fix snipers. I don't know if it was like the flinch to snipers, and they it took a really, really long time for them to fix something because like what they thought it was, wasn't that. And they were trying to dig through the code to figure out, but not break it completely. Now, like from the, from what you got to see and just the respect for you have for them is like, it's on a different level from what all of us who already like the game. Anyway, it's like, you got to see, you know, behind the scenes and just like, yeah, they're, they're scientists to a whole different level. Yeah. And they're working on one of the most complicated, you know, things ever. Like they've built a world, and they built all the rules in the world and they've built everything that we can do. And like, it's just the amount of people work on something like it, it blows my mind that we even get games. Like there is yeah. no reason on earth that we should be getting games as complicated, as complex as destiny and having them work so smoothly when we yeah. do and that we can enjoy playing them. It's just like, you look at the level of complexity, complexity. and how much it changed from even like halo three, which is still like a relatively complex game comparatively. But then you look at how much different destiny is and oh it's like, God. they just bit off a whole. Oh yeah. Yeah. They just bit off so much more and it's Bro. amazing that it works as well as it does. Yeah. It, but. it doesn't get enough credit and I'll say it again and again, because at the end of the day, let's just look at exotic weapons on their own and and how like something for example like ruinous effigy you know that drops this ball then you can create this thing and you know look at wither horde and all, all these 
sandbox morphing and changing things and all these systems that kind of overlap and now have to play nice with each other with other weapons. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's really complex and they don't get enough credit, man. And the 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 creativity, right? The creativity of some of these things, like, it is truly amazing, man. I got to salute the team for that. Like, it is, it, to me, there's just no, that's why I'm so addicted to it. Like, there's no game like it. And then I've, you match that with this amazing gunplay, you know, and this great cooperative experience. And then you have Destiny. We're still here, six years. Yeah, <laughs> Rocking up. Seemingly, you know, every game that comes out, they're like, oh, this is going to be the one thing that competes with Destiny. Oh, and it's just Destiny like, killer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's just yeah. like a, a floor littered with the dead bodies of Anthem <laughs> and Avengers and... You know, right now it's pretty much it's Warframe, it's Warframe. Destiny, it's Borderlands, and I don't know if there's room in this ecosystem for anything else because between those three games, you pretty much have every base covered. So yeah. good luck well, to think, anyone out there who's trying to build it. But. Well, and I think that's why some games are finally trying to not do the live service because you look at Godfall. It is a it has a start and a finish. It may have an end game, but there's a point where you're going to hit it in. Outriders that look like it's coming up is going to be more of a story game, but there's going to be loot and stuff involved. And I think people are like. The amount of effort, as you said, it takes to do a live service game on top of anything else you're going to do. But the continual support, people are seeing like, yeah, this is, we just got to do a game. We can't keep supporting forever. And I think that's one thing Destiny's the only one at this point is they're so far, they're so vested in it already. Six years in, they've learned a lot. They've got the systems. They've got the plan to it. Everything else is, I think, tried and failed, as you said. But And that's why I'm seeing like games that are like, yeah, this is not a live service. Yeah, this is not a live service. And people are like, Destiny, you can have it. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, if I were to build a game, I wouldn't build a live service. I don't think it's, I think the risk reward is, I think the risk is incredibly high and the reward, even if you do it incredibly well, is still, yeah. the ecosystem is just, it, it's, it's like, just... I hate to say it, but it's like trying to build, uh, it was like trying to build an arena shooter at the height of Halo, right? Yes. Or at the height of Call of Duty or trying yeah. to build a battle royale at the height of Fortnite. Like Factual. a couple people are able to do it, and like mm-hmm. Apex Legends was able to do it, and right. But it's a sh- it's you're you're wading into the ring with these big dogs that are like ready that have you know huge populations built in that mm-hmm. it's hard to pull them away. Those people aren't necessarily looking for something else, right? right. So yeah, I would I would yeah. not envy any any group that tries to decide that they want to go to the destiny and. People got to understand it's also the timing of when these things are released in conjunction with, you know, people forget like Destiny almost didn't exist. Like the trials and tribulations that these games go through to to get to where they go. So it's like Destiny lucked out. Remember how many things are scrapped. I mean, we're at the point now we're Destiny's at that point now where we're getting a lot of what the original vision and things that were intended to be in Destiny during their like scrounge phase in, in D1 when they were just kind of pasting things together story-wise and just getting the things out. They've had so many, if you read, uh, what is it? Uh, Jason Schreier's book, The Blood, Sweat, and Pixels in reference to um, the, the origins of Destiny. I mean, this game, like it almost didn't come out like so many times and, yeah. and so many shifts and so many metamorphoses. It's just, it's, it's amazing that Destiny is here in a format. Is So again, you look at that and then you look at other looter shooters, and I think what it is, is like what Merck said, is they look at the success of Destiny now, and everybody wants to copy it. But it is not easy. It is not easy. And it, it might not even be, you know, lucrative to even jump into that and just kind of do your own lane, to be honest, as far as the uh, live service stuff. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I had to build a game, I'd build an, an arena shooter right now. Like that's, <laughs> that's an empty spot in the ecosystem, right? It like, kind of is, honestly. Call of Duty has bought into the Battle Royale thing and mm-hmm. that's where they're focusing all their attention. And mm-hmm. the reason people like Battle Royales is because, this is my opinion, but I believe it's speed. I believe it's accurate. Yeah. But the reason people like Battle Royales is because the reward for winning is so, so incredible, right? Yes. Like you are the last one standing out of 50 or out of 100, right? But the penalty for losing is almost negligible yep. unless you're like one of the final few people, which most a majority of players are, right? right? So majority of players drop in and get killed within the first like few minutes of the game, and then they just immediately drop when they start another game, right? So there's almost no penalty for dying, which a majority of players do. Yep. But the possibility of winning oh, is yeah. like the thing that keeps players oh. coming back and coming back. It's a really, really brilliant idea. It's like, like the carrot is the carrot is so idea. big and basically it's a gold painted carrot at that point mm-hmm. that right. it's so appealing to go for it. And as you said, mm-hmm. the downtime, especially as they're smart enough to be like they as long as the population's there, they get these matches up and you're like, you're dead. We'll go in. You wait a minute in the lobby. Bam, you're flying in. It's like mm-hmm. and as you said, it doesn't have as much. Now, some people, if they die every single time, first time, yeah, like may not. But for the most people who fall in that, like anywhere from 10 to 40 that if the average person gets in that realm they get a decent game they, they get the tension everybody starts fresh so you always feel like you're on a level playing field as opposed to like a world of warcraft or even like even destiny is kind of daunting for some people to jump into well it's like well you have like 70 exotics and weapons that i don't even have yet you've got these god rules for them it's always a level playing field the god the battle royale start over every time so it is always kind of a unique thing yeah, that's, that's the the joy of a of a Destiny looter shooter, but compressed down into a twenty minute game, like a twenty minute mm-hmm. match. It's a, it's a really really smart idea, but you, the the stuff you see happen, like PUBG was the first, right? Or I guess not mm-hmm. necessarily the first, but it was the first one that really blew up and did it big. Mm-hmm. And then Fortnite copied it and made it easier and like more arcadey. And like that's exactly the same thing that happened with Halo and then Call of Duty. Like Halo was there, and Halo had a crazy skill. Yeah, oh, yeah, where like if you were bad and you got matched against a good player, you weren't mm-hmm. going to get a single kill. Like it just wasn't going to happen. And Call of Duty saw how many people were enjoying that, even though they sucked at the game. And they said, what if we took the first person shooter and we made it easier? Yeah. Right. Exactly what Fortnite did to PUBG. What if we took the yep. Battle Royale and <laughs> yep. made it easier? Right. And then yeah. that's when you get the huge crowd and all those mm-hmm. people come in because they loved Halo, but they sucked at Halo. They loved PUBG, yep. but they sucked at it. Well, yep. now there's Fortnite. A lot easier mm-hmm. to be good at that game, right? Yeah, as long as you keep the population high, you keep those people happy. So that's what Call of Duty did, and it was great. But I think I think the time is right for another arena shooter to come in, mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of not everyone likes the battle royale style. Like yes. they're, I mean, I personally don't particularly enjoy the battle royale style. Like mm-hmm. I, I find it, I find it tiresome after a couple of games. Um, because once you get out of the point where you're dying in the first couple minutes, well, then you start getting to the point where you're surviving for a good long duration of the game. And then a death starts to really have a negative effect, right? Like yeah. then it starts to not be very much yeah. fun where it's like, if you don't win. Well, now I feel like I've wasted 20 minutes, mm-hmm. right? Or potentially more. So right. last point I make, I know we went on this long, but um, it, I think for me, I also struggle with progression because yes, the, the thrill is great. You know, chicken dinner, last man, amazing. Love the concept, amazing. You know, put people on the island, you know, last man standing. But then it's like, okay, for that, the reward is what? Right? There's really no reward but except cosmetic. And I, that's why I struggle with, with that because it's like, okay, 
it, it's a tough balance because if you do give me something that makes me better, then it becomes disproportionate, yeah. right? And then the rich keep getting richer. So I understand why it is, but after a while, the appeal of a new jacket <laughs> is not gonna make yeah. me keep yeah. playing pump, you know what I'm saying, PUBG, and that's where it wears off for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thrill mm-hmm. of the single match, or if you want that progression of a character, it's like, yeah, they're definitely very different for what you're going for, for sure. Right. But yeah. it's what's happening with trials right now. I mean, it's really the exact same thing, right? Like it's a majority of people don't ever feel like they're going to get flawless in trials. And unfortunately, the trials reward system is in such a poor place that they just stop playing, which is why the trials ecosystem is collapsing on itself right now. Actually. But even the people who do go flawless all the time are starting mm-hmm. to get to the point, like, why is it worth it for me to continue to do this? And so you've got both extremes breaking off and it's collapsing the ecosystem. And that's why trials are struggling so hard. And unfortunately, I don't think adept weapons is going to be, mm-hmm. is going to be the thing that, that jump starts it. I think they, need to uh, this probably isn't what we were trying to talk about this episode no, but i think go. trials needs a complete overhaul from what it is like first off card-based matchmaking is a terrible system for trials Ooh, and that, that, spicy. hot takes hot takes yeah spicy. i mean it just flat out <laughs> is there like that they started to kill trials in d1 when they introduced card-based matchmaking mm-hmm. because the whole point so you, i'm not saying skill-based matchmaking is the way to do it because it's not that's actually the worst type of okay. matchmaking for trials right but mm-hmm. Connection-based matchmaking is the only way to do it. The reason being is because an average player with connection-based matchmaking, mm-hmm. if they play enough, will get lucky yep, and will right. get a card against not very good people right. and they will go flawless. And right. there is a chance, a chance, that chance decreased as you decrease in skill, but there's right. a chance that every player, if they played enough, could get lucky and could go flawless. Right. Now, the only way a not very good player is going to go flawless is that they can carry and that's not right. fun for a lot of players. A lot of players don't want to do that, mm-hmm. right? And so what they basically made it with card-based matchmaking is they basically made it a guarantee to where the last couple of matches you're going to play good people, which yeah. means that for average and below-average players, they're never going to win the last couple of matches. Yeah. So for a lot of players, there's no reason for them to play Trials right. because they're never going to go flawless. And the reward right. system is so broken that mm-hmm. it's not worth it for them to go in and play three games or something like that either. So. Right. Yeah. What do you uh, feel about? I don't, go ahead, e, I'm sorry. No, and that's like that's kind of the thing where you said you don't even think adepts are, and honestly, that's my worry as well. Is because I know the adepts are going to give a bit of a stat roll, and this is my worry when it comes to when they've talked about nightfall adept weapons as well. If this is what I'm looking into, as I I was stupid enough to do the conquer gauntlet in 24 hours, I had oh. some help with that uh, for sure. But even going through that, and I was like, I want to do it for the seal because I don't know what it's going to be like post-sunsetting, all that stuff. So I was like, I wanted to check that box. But even as I was going through it, I got some currencies, and I got quite a few exotics to drop. Like, some were okay rolls, some were trash. But there was nothing to set it apart. And if the only thing that I'm... Now, strike-exclusive loot would be nice if there's some weapons in there. But then in turn, if like if this is the same thing where it's like, hey, these adept weapons, they have slightly better stats. I'm sitting there going... For a Grandmaster or a Trials run, which both are, like, not easy to do because not everybody does Grandmasters. Trials is still probably harder than even Grandmasters. But either way, it's like that carrot, if it's just, like, slightly better stats versus, you know, we still don't know where the state of cheating is. As you said, like, you're still going against... If I end up playing against somebody like you in Trials just because you're getting high up in the card, oh, I made it to round five. Mercules made it too. Okay, I may as well just go ahead and hand him the win as opposed to just a random group of people, as you said. The connection base, honestly, for that sounds... I never thought about it, but that actually sounds perfect. But the carrot has to be there too. Like, the matches 
the randomness of the matches has to give some people incentive, but also again, it's still going to get some tense competition, like insane moments. And if the, if the adept weapons are still just like a little bit of stats, I'm kind of worried, as you said, how much it's going to do. They had, they had trials in a good place, like five years ago and they went away from it when trials for no, re- first released, for no reason yep it was connection based matchmaking and they had bounties that were play bounties right you could get a gold tier reward from a play bounty didn't matter how bad you were you would eventually get that gold tier reward every yep. week and the worse you were the more you had to play to get that gold tier reward Correct. but you'd still get it right they went away from that system both the matchmaking system and the reward system and trials population started decreasing almost immediately and has continued to decrease since then with brief spikes when a new, you know, when a new, mm-hmm. when a new, why do you, why do you think DLC they're so resistant? Not to cut you. Why do you think they're so resistant? What, because, what, what's the data showing? <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't think it's anything about data. I think that they have, um, how do I say this? I think that they have an aversion to going back. I think they will try every avenue of uh, of something new first before they will go back to something old. I think they are very, very much as a company in favor of what they consider innovation. Mm-hmm. And I think that it takes a lot for them to turn around and say, no, this isn't working. We need to go back to a way that worked in the past. Uh, I saw so that strange. when with first I went I'm the- sure. Yeah, when I went there for the community summit, which was before, oh yeah, Forsaken, that was a big one. right? That was so, before. Oh, it was spooky back then. That was a that must have been a spicy summit. Continue. Yeah, and basically <laughs> the thing that we had was like we were flat out telling them like you need to go back to random rolls. You need to go back to a you know primary special heavy system. Like what you're mm-hmm. doing now isn't working. Preach. And it was a contentious community I've heard about summit this. because. Yep. We were flat out telling them your innovation was wrong. The game mm. is less enjoyable. Woo! Go back to this old system. And to their credit, it, they did. But yeah. we had a lot of discussions about, well, what if we did this? What if we did this? What if we did this? And what it mm. came down to in the end, and they did find a better system, right? It's a mix and match. It's a better system. Right. Yeah. But what it came down to was we said, it doesn't matter what you do, but what we had before needs to be a part of it. So mm. they were able to innovate. And to their credit, the weapon system we have now, the perk system we have now, they're better than what we had in D1. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Then they're trying to do something similar with Trials, right? I just... It just... But, Merck, this is the thing that kills me. And it's just like, we would have to agree that was the pinnacle of the mode, right? So it just, this particular... I get where you're going. You're just explaining how they're thinking. I'm not coming at you. But it's just like... I get with the whole mindset of innovation, but the thing that drives me crazy is this is you at your height. This is when your player base is engaged. This is you're making money. <laughs> like tr- people are streaming. Try like like I to. don't get that. Like that's the part that really I struggle with, and I get about innovating because I'll never forget when they made the announcement. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're not going to bring trials back. And people were like, but well, why don't you just make it how it Oh, we, you know, we don't feel they, they made a statement. It really, I forgot exactly. It rubbed me the wrong, you know what statement I'm talking about. It rubbed me the wrong way. It was kind of like, you know, well, we're not going to go back to that. We're like, why? Like that, that's exactly you at your best at the, at the most fun of the game. And that was the only thing I struggle with them. You know what I'm saying? But now that you're explaining it, 
at least you're helping me understand why they do the thing they do, which is like, oh, we need to innovate and we're not going to take something exactly the way it was and and bring it back the way, you know, it's just, uh, well, I, mean, trials, you, man, that's my I was going to say you and I, Cognito, literally when trials got launched and the requirements to get into trials, <laughs> we called it that night. We yeah. were sitting there like, hey, and now you're like, okay, how are you going to combat cheaters? You're like, I don't honestly care if I have to get like a thousand kills in Crucible and do like a 10 hour quest, make it something you guys work towards. And that's your like, that's your access card. So like people can't sit there and switch accounts and ban and cheat and stuff like that. Now there's some people who might, but then if you go through that long of a process and again, the cheating is a big one. Maybe the physics host that they're changing to is going to help them, you know, analyze gameplay and stuff on a little better. I know that's something they're working on with the new big download that we're going to get in like two days, which is crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's one of those things like, between the cheating and then the system we have now, it's a tri- it's it's really unfortunate where trials yeah. is at. Unfortunately, yeah, EVP so, main, but what it is? Yeah, they. I mean, they want stuff to be like. This is the problem with PvP, and all games are running into it now. But like the PvP portion basically has to be free to play for like people to engage with, yeah. for you to have the population that yes. you need to support it. Basically, has to be free. Yeah. So if they make trials, you know, pay to play, meaning you have to have the season, well, then that immediately kills a portion of the population from right. like being part of the play. So they can't do that, even if it would keep cheaters out for the most part. But it's like secondarily, if you make the quest to get into trials too difficult or too time consuming, then you lose a lot of the casual players. And the thing about right. trials is I know that elite players want to think that trials is for them. It's not. It's like not, trials yeah. should be easy for you as an elite player. Trials is for the not elite player to make them feel like they're elite when they get something done. Like that's what it's there for. And if you lock the casual players out, the trials playlist when it's just elite players sucks. Like right now it's really not fun and it won't ever be fun again. The trials playlist needs to be made for casual players and elite players don't want to hear that. They want to hear that they're getting an in-game tournament, blah, 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 blah. That's not what trials is. It's never what trials has been. Like it just isn't, unfortunately. Like it, Trials should be easy for elite players because they're elite. They should just blow through and get their seven wins and carry someone else and keep doing it, right? Like, that's what makes it good. But then the casual player, you know, Johnny.90 is like, I have a chance. Like, I can do this if I play enough. If I play 20 cards a weekend with my buddies, like, there's a chance that I get there. And that should be an honest chance. And right now, they don't have it. So, and not only do they not have it, but they're not rewarded even if they were to try. They're not rewarded. Right. So it's like, trials is going to continue to falter until they make a change. No, you're right. I just why he got to be Johnny, <laughs> John, Johnny point nine. Yeah, <laughs> but I, think, I, think point fall, nine I think Fallout is rubbing off on you from firing range because that sounds one hundred. That sounds like Johnny, Johnny, Johnny thumbs or whatever. Sounds totally Johnny sounds two thumbs. Like yeah. Two thumbs yeah. <laughs> I actually heard that from Dado a while back when Dado was doing one of the interviews. It's like Johnny two thumbs and saying, "Miss me with the spreadsheets, bro." And I was like, "Why are you calling me out?" Oh man, valid um, stuff, man. I can talk this stuff with with, with Burke all day, man. This is good stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's two. It's it's not even two days away. We have nine p.m. for me at least Central Time when the servers are actually going to go down. Going to pop back up at eleven. We got fourteen hours of downtime. Seriously, how hyper are you guys right now? I'm honestly just curious. I'm stoked, man. Like if I wasn't working from home, I would have taken off like probably the entire week. It's just like play it you know like i <laughs> i love i just love a new content release and like honestly i'm most hyped about short term like about the story because we yeah. so we so rarely get these like actual epic 
space western space opera type things um in destiny but every time we have they're phenomenal yeah. and you know it's, it's literally it's like every other year every other year we get a day's worth of just really awesome cinematic story content mm-hmm. and i so much look forward to that because i do follow the lore actually like kind of a lot like i you know although this whole clovis bray thing i have not kept up with because i had I had a bachelor party and then I had a wedding <laughs> to go to. So I have like had zero time to be this like reading been stuff, drunk all weekend. But, yeah. A significant portion of it. But uh, <laughs> it's, like I'm, I'm going to catch up on the Clovis spray stuff and I'm super stoked about that. But like, I just love, I just love the good, wholesome destiny story, especially now that this is totally unrelated, but like Mandalorian has like oh, given so me good. the like space Western itch and like the deep universe itch that the only things that, fulfill that for me are star wars and destiny and so mm-hmm. like one of those is like at a peak right now with how well it's doing sequel movies notwithstanding but like yeah. tv mm-hmm. series i just rewatched clone wars i just watched Ooh. rebels and like having that tie in with the mandalorian i'm like ready to get the destiny story up to that same level <laughs> oh so, he's ready he's yeah ready. i'm super stoked for that nice what about you cognito what's obviously the hype levels are high if you guys are in this chat if you're listening to this one at some point yeah it's a it's a big deal but what are you looking forward to the most? What's got you peaked? I know I could guess a couple things, but I mean, where are you at? What else? I mean, right now, I mean, I, I'm in the same thing as Marcus. Like, I didn't pay too much attention to the ARG thing, but I caught, shout out to Tassie. I, I caught his article, caught me up to speed a little bit. But um, for me right now, it, it's, it is Deep Stone Crypt. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I'm I'm in that zone, like how we're Forsaken was, where I know, listen, the Aramis stuff and that looked great. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with the... I'm, the, I'm, I'm going to hate because we all know it's like Aramis. You just say Aramis and I'm like, she's going to be like six campaign missions and I'm just going to be like, that yeah. was nice and we're going on. Yeah. I'm like, ah. Anyway, you know sorry. what that is. Yeah. We, we know it's we some know, boss territory. Know, I know. But it's just, you know, we, we see what it is. We, I mean, my main thing with that is the Unholy Trinity's involvement with that whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now... As this ARG information has come out, I'm not gonna lie. The, the 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 Clovis break thing is exciting me because I saw that little trailer, and I always like when Destiny gets into like this um like the technical robotic enemies and stuff like that. Like I really like Wrath of the Machine for that reason. Oh, I was gonna say like, yeah, Siva's your Siva's your jam. Oh, man. aesthetically, I've always felt Wrath of the Machine, especially when you going inside the thing. Like, it's one of the best, the coolest looking aesthetics. And I love that raid for that. You know what I'm saying? Siva, the whole computer stuff. So for me, you know, this whole Clovis Bray, and he's just so maniacal. He's treating his family and Dude, making them. He is, like, he's a yeah, something. Yeah. Like, you know, and he was always a mystery to me. I didn't really pay too much attention to him. You know, but now we're linking the Exo Stranger. We're linking Anna. You know, all this coming together. And the idea that this this could be a raid boss, like I could, there's some things in my mind, like how cool this could be. So I'm actually excited for the raid now. Now I'm like, yo, I can't wait to step in there. I want to know about the exos. You know, I want to know about this whole consciousness, the wiping thing. Maybe we get a little K law stuck in there in between. You know, we find a little, you know, that would be cool, a little nugget, you know, <laughs> about K past life. But um, yeah, like the lore stuff is really exciting me. And obviously, you know, the, the, the unholy chill, what happens 
with them at the end of this campaign. Yeah. Like to me, the, the 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 best parts of Destiny is obviously the start and then the end because you want to know what's going to bridge into the next story. And I, I love that kind of stuff. So ultimately, that's it. To be honest, I'm not. I, I should be more hyped about Stasis, and I, I was in the beginning. But now, like the lore and the story got me now, so now I'm I'm in, man. That's where that's where I'm at right now. What was, about you, man? Uh, for me, uh, mm-hmm. I was like Dakota said one of them. Honestly, the fact oh, that yes. Zebrath was yeah, mentioned at all in the Leviathan related mm-hmm. to this trilogy, and she's like one of the three proto hive gods of all. I mean, we yeah. knocked out one Savathun. We know is mm-hmm. very much either the centerpiece of Witch Queen. And we're sitting here now getting a season that's tied into her sister. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting there wondering, so we're going to have Corrupted Hive. We're going back to the Dreaming City, which is always gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The trailer in the Dreaming City looks like the big giant tower. Something is happening in that skybox because you go in there now, that tower looks pretty calm. And there's a frame in the trailer. I was probably streaming it when somebody pointed it out. And I'm like, yep, those aren't the same. There's like some big like radiating energy out from the there. So, I mean, the mm-hmm. fact that we're starting now, which also leads gives a little credence to the fact that Aramis isn't going to be nearly as heavy of, you know, as they advertise her to be, sadly. Uh, but but the fact that we're starting now with Ziva Arath, Savathun's place in the dominoes, and that's what they said. It's like, uh, I cannot remember who it was, Justin Truman, I think. He's like, mm-hmm. we're, she's placing the dominoes, and then, you know, in the Witch Queen, we get to see what she does, like when she starts to kick him over or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that we're setting this stuff up and Savathun's always been, theoretically, like, this big... I mean, Oryx was huge. And as you said, every two years, we get these big, giant, cool stories. Awesome. Forsaken, Taken King, and now Beyond Light. And we get one of those. Savathun seems, like, out of place in that timing, like, every two years. Right. So, But Lightfall is that. Lightfall is that one, timing-wise, that seems like... What's going to happen there? And that's mm. where... The timing of this, getting into Savathun, and I think knowing in my mind that something is past Savathun really has me intrigued. Honestly, is the fact that they've hopefully set something up awesome to see where that goes. Because Savathun being as big as and important she is with the loop of the Dreaming City and the Death Battery and all that stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And to know there's something beyond her, I think that's going to be a really cool journey to go through. And the fact that this is really the start of all of that, I'm excited. I'm hopeful that... that Oh, I was just saying, I'm hopeful that they break the every other year cycle. And then now that they have given us this, like, we have a three-year plan. We have a big content release coming every year. I hope that each one of these is a new, like, cinematic thing. Because it would be a shame to have Sabathun come and, like, not bring a big yes. cinematic story piece along with it. But it feels like, you know, Destiny was, like, ever-expanding in terms of, like, its storylines. Like, literally yeah. up until I feel like this year, they just yep. kept adding, like, more yep. and more yep. and more, more storylines. And finally, it feels like they're like, you know what? I think we have enough storylines. Let's start bringing some of these to a close. Like, let's start bringing these back together. Let's start directing this towards what I imagine would be a conclusion, potentially not for the Destiny series, but for this age in Destiny. Like, let's wrap this stuff up. Let's bring back the Exo Stranger. Let's bring back Eris. Mm -hmm. Let's bring, you know, let's bring all this stuff together and let's move forward instead of continuing to unravel more threads. I mean, that's that's huge. The spaghetti code of sto- of stories all dangling out there, as you said, and we're finally getting to see mm-hmm. Eris, who got introduced to us in 
when did she take and get, or literally Krona. The dark below. Krona. Yeah, the dark, dark below. below. So, I mean, it was mm-hmm. three months into year one. We got to see her now six years later. She's out on a completely different planet messing with darkness powers while she's out there. And we're like, okay, we got some stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't think you can understate like how impressive it has been that this franchise has introduced so many characters which now feel like they're iconic yeah. to us right like yeah. i don't know that anybody suspected that eris was going to end up being That's one of the point. favorite characters in the franchise that people were going to care as much even about Cade and the vanguard who are very stereotypical archetype yeah, heroes yeah, yeah. right yep, yep. like the jester the magician the, yep. the stoic you know stalwart yep. guy like they were all very stereotypical and then we ended up caring a lot about those characters. Then they added more characters that we also care a lot about. We care a lot about the drifter. We care a lot oh, about the yeah. extra stranger. Like Eris is literally people love Eris. Like Mara Solve, people love like Shax, who just yells at us Bax. during PvP matches. Yes. Like his God, whole yeah. backstory though is so intriguing and is so exciting. Yes. And like people care about these characters like they cared about Oryx, who was a villain but you understood his motivations and like the, the lore building that they've done coming from vanilla destiny, which had almost nothing. Like it was basically empty with the exception of the grimoire. And then to get to the point we're at now where there's almost like story overload, if you're willing to look for it. And there's so many characters that we care about as players. It's it's kind of amazing to me. Like, I don't know if I can speak highly enough for the writing team or the narrative team at Bungie that has done this. Oh yeah. No, it's like, I mean, Dakota said it in chat too. When you say all the stories coming together, I, I lost my mind just because I never expected to see it when Aldrin was shown. Like Dakota's literally saying, she's like, she still gets a kick out of watching my reaction. Cause I'm like, who is it? He's kicked over and he's coming out of the shower shadows. And I'm just like literally doing the arms in the air as Aldrin's coming out. And I was like, I've had the debate with myself. I was like, I lost it there. But if I was actually playing with my hands on, would it have been even cooler? And in my mind, yes, but I also know it's for marketing, so that's a debate I'll leave. But the fact that now we're getting, you know, it's been two years since Forsaken in the Dreaming City, and we shot the guy, pulled pork. I think I said pork chop. Yeah. I said pork chop in my video, and I got crap for that, so it's pulled pork. (laughs) Shout out to pork chop, though. Yeah. I was in the right, you know, meat department, at least. You did. You did. and then him and potentially everybody was always like, is he going to be the Hunter Vanguard? Could that even be feasible? And then what about Marasov and all these things? And it's just like, as you said, when you go deep into the story, there's a lot going on right now. And you, as you keep, I've, we all have our name for him. I call him like, you know, the anti or the shadow Vanguard. Basically, you have the trifecta, but they're the opposite of anything basically good. You've got basically a crook, somebody who's <laughs> basically traded her soul to like the darkness halfway. And uh. then a time traveling exo who doesn't even have a, who has a fish. I want the fish, but that's the whole thing. I want the, that's like one of the coolest ghosts. Cause it's so like you waves. And, oh dude, I want that thing so bad. Hopefully we at least get a name for that. So I'm curious, but we have this now trio. They're mm-hmm. all on Europa. Like this is our next, we're going to have a social space for a little one, but they're all going to have their places out there hanging out. They're all going to have their own quests involved in this. And potentially they're going to have their different motivations. And one of the biggest ones for the stranger as we go full circle and I look at my statue that I got of her is like, we thought she was gone that we'd never see anything. And the fact that we're bringing her back and the fact that we get to see her, like see her a little bit in action, fighting with stasis, going cloaking. And she's just like, 
all of these three are, I will say the drifter of the three in the trailer mm. kind of got mm. shafted in how he looks. Cause Eris is out there basically like spinning and doing the wall. Yeah. And she's like rolling the ball on her arm and then strangers jumping over, kicking <laughs> and like cloaking. And I swear the drifter is about three seconds from dying. Every time you see him in all those places. <laughs> so all like, right. All right. All he's right. He's getting saved by everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Basically. He's getting saved and he's like, all right, thanks ladies. Needed that one. And uh-huh. I was like, I want to see where these three go. And I'm like, I'm yeah, very curious to see how all of this yeah, plays that's out. What so I it's like, see it go. Though, just watch it. Cause I have never seen Eris move. She's a story move, person. Yeah, like, she yeah. talks and now she's like Hunter, like dodge stab and like doing the, like she looked so cool. Oh, mm. so like, no, there were the, the trailer, my hype when I was watching some of that stuff, like if those who watched it with me, I lost my mind a couple of times, which is always fun and exciting to do to see characters that as, Mark said, like, we've known them for so long, mm-hmm. and now we actually really get some good interaction with them. Now that we're invested, it's even better. I can't wait. I mean, that, that's what it's about. That's what it's about, seeing where these threads that they brought back, seeing how they now mix them up, and, and seeing where this goes. You know what I'm saying? There's got to be some conclusions to some, <laughs> I feel, because there's a lot. There's a lot. So some stuff got to happen. That's So get ready, man. Lance, I think Lance Reddick kind of was like, got people going to get blown away, you know, from when he was doing a lot of his voice acting and what's about to happen. And like I said, y'all know I'm the big Osiris fanboy. So I was just surprised, even though he got slapped to the floor with the life alert. I was I was surprised to see. <laughs> old man Osiris. Yeah, they get my man dirty, man. They did him Somebody dirty. They tied his shoelaces together. Damn it. Yeah. They did him dirty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, it was, at the express of Aldrin, I'm, I'm about Aldrin. I was, I, I was glad to see him. You know, come out there, but again, I was surprised. I wasn't expecting to see Osiris. I'll be honest. Like I was like, "What? No. What is he? he's usually associated? You know, specifically with the Vag. So to see him associated with the what is it? The Hive? I always put your name, there. you know, Azur or whatever the, the chick name. Zeva or Raph. There you go. <laughs> to see him associated with Hive, and I'm just like, okay, this is, again. Where is this going? Like so many threads. He's talking with Zavala. He's he's messing with the what's happening? It's I, I can't wait. I mean, can't we wait. have two sets of stories because you'll have mm-hmm. Aldrin potentially with Osiris, who's now mm-hmm. Osiris. By the way, there's the whole thing with Osiris and Zavala talking to Cabal. That's still don't know what the hell is happening there. Mm-hmm. But you have Aldrin and Spider. You have whatever's going on with the season. That's like a pretty solid set of characters. And then we have the main campaign. Like, that's more story than I feel like we've had in a long time. Long time. Like, Forsaken was good glued, and continued bro. into the Dreaming City, which was awesome. But I was like, I mm-hmm. feel like this season is probably one of the, like, it seems like it's got a lot of potential if they, like, deliver yeah. on it. So it's, It feels like the Avengers. There's so many people, so many things going on. It's Endgame, man. Assemble. <laughs> Except for a little early. Sabathun's not here. Early. Yeah, we're assemble yeah. But yeah. But like, start getting closer. Like, start traveling in that direction, and then you'll assemble next year. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's got to mm-hmm. happen at some point. So, yep, yep. love so, it, man. But yeah, I wanted to ask you guys too. Is like, I mean, we're getting a bunch of lore stuff, but the other thing we're getting is something we've literally not had since Destiny started: Arc, Solar, and Void for six years. Now we have a fourth. We have subclasses that are working in different ways. We have weapons and elemental shields and all of those things. I honestly, wanted to kind of get your takes on. For one, you, Merc, especially, like, I, we've had some speculation of what the sandbox is going to be like. Honestly, curious how, what state you think the sandbox is going to be in. Um, that exclusive And then just anything, anything from Stasis. But it's like, I want to start with you there just to see how you think the sandbox is going to fare with Stasis. I mean, I think I share the same concerns everybody does. We're basically having to trust that Bungie is not going to introduce 
mechanics that literally make the game not fun to play. Like nobody likes being frozen in place <laughs> in, a, in a high mobility PvP game, right? Like just flat out not fun. Nobody likes being slowed down. Nobody likes being disoriented. Like those are things that are not fun to play against, right? From the trailers, it made it look like those things would be common, but those trailers <laughs> are designed to showcase the effects and the abilities and things like that. So, I mean, I share the same concerns as everyone else. Um, I think that Bungie has enough experience to know better than to introduce aspects of the gameplay that are not like tremendously unfun to play against. <laughs> but then I look at the supers in their current state and I think how tremendously unfun those are. But you know, those you get two or three a game, right? Yeah. You know, you you don't it's not a melee, it's not uh, necessarily a grenade that makes you feel that effect so army wonders whether it'll be like the only way if you get frozen is if the attack would have killed you anyways and then it freezes you right so it's like well if he had just punched you and it was an old melee you were gonna die now you just get frozen instead of dying right so you know pardon me wonders or if there's like a secondary trigger like you have to be slowed and then you can be frozen or you have to be direct hit by the melee like with a hunter's waiting throwing knife where it's like you know so there are a lot of ways that it could be done. I think it's really, really interesting. I'm mm-hmm. very much excited to play as the new uh, as the new hunter because the ability to shift instead of dodging oh, is, I God. think, going to be right up my alley. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. that's terrifying. So, God, yeah. terrifying. So that combined with the fact that there's the aspect that allows you to slow down enemies when you shift near them. So it's like, ah, uh, I think that will be for me. So yeah. <laughs> you think you might take to that. Yeah, I, I think I might really enjoy using that. So <laughs> okay. does that play into your uh, Bastion style though, or is that more of like a oh, shotgun feel for you? No, it, it'll it'll hundred percent because yeah, if I can uh if I can shift and vanish and then immediately appear next to someone with my Bastion and have it charged, yeah. Like I will uh, I will very much enjoy that. Or if you could dodge the first shotgun shot or something like that, yeah, it will allow me to close distances a lot easier, um, which you still have to do with Bastion to a certain extent. You have to do it more with a shotgun, but uh, mm-hmm. even with Bastion, like I use right now the dodge on, or the shade step on my Night Stalker with Bastion extremely effectively. So I feel like this is just going to be a much stronger version of that. Mm-hmm. Mercury is the raid boss of Iron Banner. Careful, everybody. Watch <laughs> out. December 8th. Do not play. Where, where are you playing? So I know where not to be. It's Xbox. Okay, cool. Yeah. I won't be oh, there. Oh, good, good, good. You're going to be there. I'll see you December 8th, sir. That's, you know what's funny? Actually, December 8th is when the uh, next-gen patch comes. I didn't know yeah. that those two actually fell on the same fell on the same day. No, that that's what I see him December eighth. Yeah. That's what I'm so at full time. Uh, higher frames per second, and I'll have a field of view slider, and I'll get to pair that with my super highlight level, uh, you know, Bastion shifting hunter oh, that Lord. slows you down when it shifts next to you. So yeah, Jesus. <laughs> so do you think with the I cannot remember the name of the hunter one? Is it the, the Revenant? I think. Mm-hmm. No, that's the. Is uh, that the warlock or is that? I think I that's warlock the warlock was Shadebringer and then Behemoth and then Revenant. Behemoth or... and then Revenant, yeah. No, I was thinking of the exotic that lets you teleport. Uh, oh, the, the mask. Uh, God, why can't mask I of Bacchus. That's it. I had to yeah. look it up. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then the slowing dodge is subclass because it's a fragment. No, it's an aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to be able to. Do you think because it based it's based on a dodge? Do you think mm-hmm. like you're going to basically be able to slow teleport? If you put those together, I would think so. Well, I mean, 
Uh, we've never yeah. seen something that changes dodge this dramatically yet. Yeah. But yeah. I would think it would be a pretty big oversight if equipping an exotic then disabled an aspect that you had equipped. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I would think that fundamentally, from a game, from a UX experience, that would not make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. So I would think that anything that triggers off of a dodge will mm-hmm. still trigger off of shift. Yep. I that's terrifying. That. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's pretty scary. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go, Hada! but I'm still going to take a Bastion. And you're going to go through my overshield anyway, but I'm still going to mm-hmm. have an overshield on fly, hopefully. Uh, mm-hmm. What about that also you? looks really fun, too. That one yeah, looks interesting. I'll be kind of curious how that plays in a PVE setting as well to be like, save your butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I can mm-hmm. run and not be stuck behind this. That's the thing about the the wall is like one little portion in front of you, but if anything gets around the backside, now I just have a shield and I can go find cover. Like the survivability of that one alone is going to be better than just about anything else. Honestly, well, I've been playing a lot of well of radiance warlock right now and Me kind too. of getting used to that. Right. Cause you got the healing grenade. Yep. So people, I guess don't really think about the fact that like that healing grenade gives you an overshield. So yes. you just consume it and immediately throw it in front of you and you Bro. grant yourself an overshield like that. Right. And with the right build, you can have that up easily as fast as the Titan's class ability. So, so many times. Yeah. It's funny you, it's funny you said that. I, I mean, can just li- go into an engagement and get an overshield, and that basically guarantees me a win on that first engagement. Or yep. mid-engagement, I can duck behind cover, pop the overshield, come back out with an overshield. So Yeah, it, it's huge. I mean, you utilize it. I've been playing a ton. Now it's been double rewards week, so I've been playing a ton of PvE. Nightfalls and stuff, and I've been using exclusive, yeah, uh, middle tree. Man, it is really a great support class. It it truly is. Even with the nerfs to Phoenix Protocol, I mean, you really feel strong. I'm getting those blessings, the divine protection. Then I still have the rift on standby when I want to, you know. And it's it's powerful, man. So I'm I'm just excited to see what Stacey's going to bring as far as all the, uh, what's, what's, what's those things called? The fragments? Or whatever. Fragments, fragments are, and aspects. Fragments aspects, are yeah. like class-based, and mm. then aspects are going to be universal to everybody. I'm very curious to see how that plays out, you know, for the Warlock aspect. The Freezing Rift has been very interesting. Very, oh, that one's very... got potential for <laughs> PvE written all over it. Especially yeah, if you yeah, do yeah. a healing freezing rift, you pause them, you get your health back, take care of what's in range, mm-hmm. and then potentially now you can remove yourself from that situation. Mm-hmm. That's a survivable. Like, there's and, um, definitely, I see some places where, like, me being a solo player is how I usually think of all that stuff. Is like, as right. a solo player in a pinch, those moments where you need that, mm-hmm. the time to, like, get out of a crappy situation, there seems like some good ways with stasis. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to have the wall grenade. I'm really curious to see how that thing breaks the game. Like That's you, mobile cover everywhere. Oh, I need everywhere. to get from this side to this side because I'm getting rezzed over there. Chunk that thing, and if you can get behind that wall to get a res, mm-hmm. depending on how much health those walls have, I'm being. It's oh man, some of this it's stuff seems like it's going to be a game changer. I'm honestly wondering how much the other classes are still going to be viable in play. Right. Yeah, it's like how what is how the usage mesh? of subclasses? I know they're newer, yeah. and the other ones are still fun, but. These seem, I know, crowd control related as opposed to like DPS. So in PVE, I could see, but the potential of all of these, as you guys are saying in PVP, they sound like they've definitely got a lot of options for PVP. Mm-hmm. I feel like the old subclasses, uh, the first thing needs to happen is they need to be updated to the new system that the new subclasses are going to use fragments and aspects, right? Like right. we have been stuck for far too long on these ridiculous 
you know, tree clusters where you pick from one of three options, which I understand yep. why they did that. It dramatically eases the burden of subclass balance, but yep. at the same time, it's not nearly as fun from a player perspective Talk to about not it. be able to mix and match, right? So what I would like to see, even just to bring the new subclasses to this new system, split that stuff out, say, okay, you're going to be able to pick two fragments and then uh, a certain number of aspects based on what fragments you pick, which I'm not, I'm not sure if you guys um, caught that in the thing, but yeah. the actual, the number of aspects you get is dependent on which fragments you've chosen, which is yep. a really mm -hmm. interesting balance way to yeah. balance those things as well, right? So... It's cool. I think they need to do that to all the old subclasses. I think if they just did that to the old subclasses, they'd probably have to do some balance. Like, you know, they probably have to figure out how they want to turn stuff into fragments or aspects or whatever. But I think that would be huge for the old subclasses. As it stands, I think they're going to see almost no use in the beginnings of Beyond Light. Like, I, I think it will be a cold day in hell when you see a gunslinger uh, yeah. out in the wild. But that's how it is with the new toy. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, it, it reminds me of E with, with Take a King Drop. Where, you know, you, you oh, had that sunbreaker versus tickle fingers. Are oh, you kidding me? For you, like, uh, that's not even a contest though, and it's almost still not in PVE. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, just from it just reminds me like when the new subclasses came out and how everyone just gravitates towards it. You're touching that new thing, and it takes a while, you know, before the old stuff got touched. So you know, yeah, you would hope that at some point they do a, a rework to kind of. You know, I'm not going to say they can't complete because we have to see it tested, but the old ones can't complete. But it. it this stasis stuff just sounds so transformative that you're just like, yo, you can't wait to see what this thing's going to do. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just kind of a different feel, too, for the game because a lot of things we do have are very, very offensive minus maybe two or three. Like, we have some... We have a little bit of crowd control between... You have the bubble for a little safety. You have the well for a little safety. The only real crowd control, honestly, is Tether most of the time. This feels so much of a different style of play, I guess is the best way I can phrase that. So both in PvP for like the control of the walls and the slowing things down and the, for PvE, again, walls for cover, for reses and, you know, freezing things and just the crowd control feel of all of the Stasis subclasses, I think is something to a level we haven't seen yet. And I think I'm very curious to see how just how the subclasses all feel, because everything does feel throwing hammers and Kamehameha and a bunch of throwing <laughs> knives and Nova Bomb. It's all very offensive as all as opposed to. Um, basically enemy management is the best way I can say right. it. And it's just going to feel a little bit different. So overall, like Stasis seems very cool. Generally very exciting. See how broken it is. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to see. We're about to see. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully not too broken. That, that will yeah. not be fun. If those abilities no. are like, because I don't I, even I, like running into the slow mines that like the fallen half in the PvP campaign. Those are like, awful, man. Yeah, awful. if you're telling me that it's going to be like that times a million and it's going to be in PvP, then I'm going to be a very unhappy camper unless I'm yeah. the one doing it to other people. One has to hope. All I'm hoping is is if we play, remember E, we was in our anthem bag, like detonate a primer kind of deal. I was like, I maybe, you but honestly, saying? the way it feels is like they can't just slow us off rip. Would've, like you, like, you get a grenade out and you're slowed. Like, how would that not work that? And then you have a hunter bounce a ninja star, which is the wrong word. Mm -hmm. I know there's a better version for it. A uh, shuriken. Yes. Shuriken or, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and they bounce it off a wall. And if that's got decent tracking and you know they're around a the corner, might you're slowed. You can't move. You're like, oh, no, let me. <sighs> like, you're just slow-mo running through molasses. But now it's in game and it's not on Xbox. So 
<laughs> Slander. It's PlayStation yeah. Two console molasses. I got is all you. I mean, but yeah, I got I got you, bro. Um, PC master race guys feeling themselves. Hey, now everybody's gonna get there, so can't wait for crossplay with Witch Queen. So that'll be fun. Jeez, I hope never. Honestly, like I don't ever want crossplay between. Oh, it's I don't coming. Deal with what you guys have to deal with on PC. <laughs> Keep that treating over there. I was like, we do have a couple changes coming though. I mean, yeah. they've talked about sandbox gambits. I'm actually curious. I keep forgetting gambit is going to kind of get a revamp. I'll be curious to see what that feels like. Cause I'm sure there's going to be a weekly challenge at some point that gets me in there. So I kind of wonder what that's going to feel like with stasis mm-hmm. as well. Like you go over there and then on the other side, you're just doing random stasis yeah. freezing. Gambit was a cool experiment. I honestly think it's probably time for gambit to like, Go, go away like, <laughs> it was a really cool experiment it was super neat it showed that they can mix the pve and pvp aspects of it and have it function relatively well like mm-hmm. i don't know that anybody thought that you would be able to do the the portion of the game where there's an invader active yeah that's pretty you cool. have an invader you have enemy pve you have enemy pvp it's a really interesting thing i would love to see them work more on that into like a bigger scale, maybe it's like Badlands that are a, mm. a, a social area where the you know PvP and PVE is both turned on, right? World like Warcraft I would love right to there. see something like that. But to me, Gambit always felt like an experiment. It didn't mm. feel like it was necessarily a game mode that was meant to become. I know they said that they wanted it to, but it didn't feel <laughs> to me like it was a game mode that was meant to become like the third arm of like mm. strikes pvp gambit, yeah, gambit yeah. like to me strikes and pvp are forever yeah. gambit seemed like this was a cool idea i think it's run its course now if you removed gambit from the game i don't know that we would lose a ton in the grand scheme of things yeah i mean i can't argue with it i mean right now as far as um where gambit is obviously they need to consolidate the mold and obviously it looks like what prime's gonna be the one the victor so um yeah a modified I mean, we, prime pretty much yeah. yeah did we speak to uh what is his name uh pino what's his name yeah, the, yeah. homie from yeah yeah Adam pino. He, yeah, yeah back then and you know we're getting some feedback from him on what need to go you know i did like the 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 whole um what is it the uh the team based mechanic and then you had you know century and this and that the problem is to me the mistake was always putting it in a separate mode to force yeah. you to play that mode to get a suit that's going to be effective in Gambit Prime. So the reckoning Gambit Prime thing didn't never never work for me. I think they got a chance to 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 bring it back. I mean the maps are going to you know have to be played, but the question is do they have enough resources of time right now? Is it that much of a priority right now for them to do no. it? That's how I look at it. I to me, it. yeah. I don't exactly. It's yeah. the same way you shake it. I just don't think it's on the bucket list. So sadly, it's just not going to get addressed and like you said, it wouldn't have put it this way. If they would have made the announcement when the DCV was announced that Gambit was going into DCV, I don't think people would have went too crazy. <laughs> it been too sad about it. You know what I'm saying? Not that I want it to go away, but I'm just like, that's just where Gambit is right now. I know their hopes were higher, but they really got to make an investment to completely changing and adding some new mechanics to the mold or the suits or whatever to make us care. Because right now, I just... I don't, it's, I'm only in there if I'm forced to be or what, you know, what have you. I'm not really messing around outside of strikes and, and, yeah. and crucible. My infamy story. is higher yeah. than I thought it was. Let's just say that when I went to go like, be like, Hey, what do I need to check off for the end of the game? Looking at gambling. I'm like, wow, did not know I played yeah. that. I don't even know why I played that much this season. I think it's just been a long season and I've like tripped through it occasionally, but 
No, mm-hmm. I mean Gambit is one of those. I would. Be, here's a question for you guys. Quick answer: Which one's in a worse spot, Gambit or Trials? Trials. Trials. Yeah. Trials. <laughs> and that, Gambit's that, on a bad spot. It just yeah. But that, that also, but that right there is like as many people don't like Gambit. That tells you mm-hmm. the level of what's up with Trials. Like that's how much work it needs. As important as that is to the Crucible pillar of like the two, and then you have the mm-hmm. Step pillar in there in the middle. But it was like the level of Trials is that's just the question I had, but. We yeah. have like, so there's going to be a lot changing and there's going to be some mm-hmm. massive patch notes at some point we get to read. Mm-hmm. We're going to get like a kiosk for like Lost Quest, which is cool. And we actually, as all players, get to go meet Shahan, Fast and Furious himself. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually just kind of curious to explore the Cosmodrome on PC. Yeah. Full field view, high fidelity, like all that stuff is going to be kind of beautiful, especially for like next gen consoles. You get to see it on your 4K OLED and you're like, I get to see 4K Cosmodrome like. Mm-hmm. that's going to be kind of cool. So I'm kind of excited for that. But the one I wanted to ask you guys about is the monument to lost lights, exotic archive, which is a mouthful in itself sitting in the middle of the vault. Um, so they're going to be basically Zer is going to have exotic ciphers as a quest that you can do kind of on a weekly basis. But the bigger question is the currency spoils of conquest, which you get by rating, which we don't know how often you're going to be able to get them or how hard they're going to be able to get. But, you know, your raid exotics from previous raids, say Anarchies and Terabas and all that stuff, potentially going to be sitting right in there for purchase now. <laughs> you ready to copy? I was curious <laughs> what you thought about that. I mean, I'm happy for people who haven't gotten them so far. Like, mm-hmm. I think that the raid system uh, for exotics that they have right now is inadequate. I think it doesn't sufficiently motivate people. It's better now that they've uh, given like the the chance of getting it increases every time you do a completion, right? Yep. It should have been like that from the beginning. Yes. Um, personally, I know that as a player, I'm not a PVE centric player. Asking me to do one raid once is reasonable. Asking mm-hmm. me to do it two to three times is less likely, but still possible. Asking me to do it more than three times is not happening. Like, <laughs> almost zero percent chance so if you're telling me that like my favorite raids have been the one where it was like you have a quest that culminates with you doing the raid once and that grants you the raid exotic and then if you want the ornament for it that comes from beating it on hard mode or something like that blah 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 blah. but to get the raid exotic yourself it's a quest that you do you do the raid once to me that's honestly the best system for getting people in the door to do the raid yep. and then making a cosmetic something that's either a random chance or comes from beating it flawless or comes from beating it hard but i think that's a better system so for me the raids are going away anyways i'm personally of the opinion i don't necessarily agree with the destiny content vault although i understand why they're doing it i personally am of the opinion that the more stuff there is in the game the more chance you have of hooking someone who is a new player or a returning player, a lapsed player, something like that. So the fact that they will at least be able to get these exotics that maybe the first time they were playing, they didn't think they had a chance to get these exotics. And you never know, maybe Terraba is the gun that makes somebody fall in love with a game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like That's the stuff that to me, like I'm glad that they're doing it this way. Although I know some people will be like, I did this raid a hundred times so I get this weapon and now you can just get it with an exotic weapon. It's like, well, you know, it sucks, bro. You shouldn't have played the raid a hundred times. Like, it is, it is <laughs> Damn, what it is. Like, it, it, it is what it is. Like, yeah, you cold-hearted. You're cold, Bert. You're yeah. cold, brother. Everybody wants this stuff to be, like, exclusive. And, like, in my personal opinion, exclusive stuff is not good for the game unless it's Ooh. ornamental. Ornamental exclusives are fine. I don't have any problem with that. But Spicy. gameplay 
exclusives I don't think are good. I think locking away really cool weapons behind potentially 50 plus raid completions is crazy bad UX design in my opinion. Ooh, spicy take there. Uh, Cognito, do you have an opinion or counter argument? Which I disagree there. No, but I, I understand Merck's point in reference to. He's like, I understand the, it. It's the, wrong, the, but I understand the, it. I understand it in reference to repetition. I, I do agree with him yeah. that there's those things the raid protection should have been in place, right? Yeah. Where the more you run it, and shout out to Black Iron Man and check. That's my guy because I want to shout him out. Because the thing is, to me, my own issue is the damn catalyst. What's happening? Yeah, those are worse. But let's get back on track. Now, what this whole thing is, listen, I I do like the idea of raid exotics. And I I do like the idea of rarity. I I do like that stuff. You know, it just to me, if the drop rates were improved so that you don't have to run it a zillion times, then I think it would be less of an issue. I just think the way they started out the gate and they just never really uh, improved upon it. But I just... I agree with the ornament stuff. I, I I like that aspect. I like the aspect of having that. I think like Call of Duty does it, or you know, you have this either the amount of times you do it or the difficulty that you do it, and you get this exclusive skin. But I do like the idea of of things tied to end game activity because at the end of the day, it's like again, we just got to be careful. I always feel like we have to be careful. That I always use D two vanilla as the example. Like you know, when when we get into that thing of the casual kind of getting everything you know what i'm saying the incentive i feel wears off to even go back and let's be real bungie wants you to play these activities i know it may be considered artificial <laughs> to keep getting you to run in there but they want you to play th- th- this activity and the last point i make is that to me it's a travesty that i consider i know you're pvp but i consider raids like pinnacle end game content in gaming like a, a destiny raid when done right is few things in my opinion from a cooperative experience that match it and i just love things tied to it the balance just comes from having them do it in a fair manner where yeah you're not running a thousand times and you know what i'm saying you're never going to get a terrible and you're never going to get a 1k that's ridiculous i i completely agree and the other problem i think the, to me the more bigger problem i think we talked about it e is the fact that it shouldn't just always down tie down to the exotic. Like, how about making these legendaries better? How about making Oh my like, god, you were bit you're yeah. stealing my point, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, like give us more reasons to run it so that it's just not this singular item and then it just won't seem so egregious. If we had those, like we said, numerous, you know, last word podcast, you know, weapons and armor that tie to mechanics of the raid or just things that are really intrinsically unique with perks that are, you can only find from the raid weapon, then it's like, okay, I'm in this. I could get a chance to get all these cool things and then run it consistently. That, that That's where I'm at with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably split mm-hmm. between both of you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the timing is key. Like, I mean, what is it? I know Destin Legary had to run Ant for Anarchy like 60 some odd times. I saw somebody do a cross stitch with 100 it's plus. Awful. Like, awful. so I was like, those are ridiculous and that shouldn't be that way. No mm-hmm. kidding. The idea of a quest, I like that as a way to get newer players, maybe not have a raid, but hey, this quest pops up. Okay, now you need to raid and be like, where's that incentive? Well, you've got that quest log staring at you. Be like, maybe I do go look at LG. Maybe I try these raid things to go after that one thing that I am missing and I know if I finish it, I'm going to get it. 
Now, the way they did kind of Leviathan was cool because they had Legend of Acrius. You got the first version and then you right. go back and you can work on updating it. Maybe that's a way to kind of give you incentive as well, which was really cool. You got the basic function yeah, and you got to improve it. But also on your side, too, is like. I'm honestly very worried about the raid mods. Mm. Because either the cost, because now you have five slots on armor. We still only have 10 energy to work with. And say we're going to have now all the regular mods are going to be enhanced, but they're going to be called yeah. regular, but they're going to function as enhanced. Say you take the cost of a grenade launcher scavenger or something like, mm -hmm. or reloader, and that's mm -hmm. four. And then say you go intellect and that's two. That's literally two. And I have three other slots that I can barely even use at that point. And you're still trying to build a loadout around that. It's like if the raid, the raid mods personally probably and hopefully are like zero, because That's what I was about to say. Yeah, it's like yeah. they need to be zero just so you can have a function to use those things. Yeah, it'll because be hard. if they take yeah. points away from trying to get a normal build in there, then mm. you don't give yourself a chance to experiment with that stuff. I agree. But it's like, I mean, I've said this before too. It's like, I want, and this is the same thing. It was like, it'd be nice to see trials have this. And then like Grandmasters raids, kind of a couple places where you can get armor that had more energy. Mm -hmm. Say it was like, you know, the trials armor had 12 energy. Like they had a depth trials armor that you could get. Because right now, if you guys have every other week, it's going to be trials weapons or adept weapons in the chest. But mm. when it's an armor week, who's going to play? Especially if it's the same set of armor for the next two, like season or two that yeah. we're going to be stuck with for a little while. The armor, if you don't have it already, there's very little incentive to get that because they don't mm -hmm. have anything really setting it apart right now. Um, but if there was at least energy that had, you know, 12 energy and you could use a few more mods, you could experiment with it more and it gave you more customization to your build but not to a point where you could probably break it. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of those things I know they have like the heavy finishers, like seven because it makes it just out of reach. So mm -hmm. people can't like have that and something else on there, which I get. And that's mm -hmm. one of those things I guess they watch, which heavy finishers still usually never with the bang for buck. Cause it's half your damn super. Yeah. It's just so much, um, but just like the, the, the raid exotic quests. Like I like that idea, but I'm also with you. Cognito is the fact that the raids need to have, legendaries that have unique perks that something to set them apart because if it is just the quest and you're done there's still very little incentive to go in there that's the one-time thing for merc and that may be all he wants but if he's like mm. hey there are raids in here that have unique perks and there's trials weapons with unique perks that's why mm. people are going to play things on a continual basis and stay in the activities right. and that's the biggest thing i think they need to work on because right now yeah. the legendaries you can get almost the same stuff from a, a public event and that's just kind of what sucks and final point to me like i said i think the reason why Raids like Vault of Glass and Wrath of Machine work is because you had this tremendous pool of these great weapons to farm at each checkpoint and each, you know what I'm saying? So it made, it tied it to and kind of, yo, there's a chance I can get, you know, the 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 one that had triple double and, you know what I'm saying, at, at Wrath of Machine and, and all these cools. And then obviously we had the ultimate one with Outbreak, you know, Prime, you know, as a super secret and, and stuff like that. Like when raids are done well, there's rewards at each stage and the entire process becomes so incentivized. And I think Wrath does it the best. And that's not even my, not my number one raid, but it's my number one reward way. Because remember, when you got in there, you got the Siva keys. Yep. And even if you ran it for the week and you got the rewards, hey, you help somebody out, you still got a couple of keys. You can combine that and you can get a chest and get a reward. Again, back to Mercury's point, which is... Why, when they have something that works so good, do they feel the need to say, no, we're not going to do it anymore? Like, I don't. Like, Wrath of the Machine's reward system, 
was amazing. I I never ran raids more, even though Vault is my heart. I have to admit, I ran rats so many times because the reward system and the weapons was so good. And they got to get back to it, man. They they just they can't. They got to break out of this mentality. We have to, you know, revolutionize all the time. Like, come on, you got the system. Bro. Some things work. <laughs> There's a lot they need to understand. Like, I don't think they even understand their own reward system, like inherently in terms of what they offer, right? Like mm -hmm. you have so many avenues in the game that you can give to players, right? You have avenues, actually really only like one avenue that directly affects the way it plays minute to minute, which is weapons, right? Yeah. You should not ever hold weapons behind something that is extraordinarily difficult to accomplish because that alienates a large portion of the player base. It's, in incapable of accomplishing that thing right and it leads to resentment in the player base and it does a bad job of motivating people to go into difficult content if they don't feel that weapons are achievable right however you've got armor which for the most part is aesthetic although now it has stat rolls and stuff on it but for the most part you can build your armor the way you want your armor right mm -hmm. so you've got armor you've got armor ornaments you've got weapon ornaments you've got emblems you've got shaders you've got uh emotes right you have sparrows you have ships you have all these other things that for the most part don't actually really affect gameplay right there's so many avenues to reward players for doing hard content with exclusive stuff that the player who's not good looking at the player who's got that really really cool uh ornament on their gun or that glowing cape that's an ornament oh, for going floor. trials like, ornaments like the wings yeah oh. they were it was such a great idea and they backed off from that too and it's like that's how you reward players you know why because the player who's looking at them doesn't think oh that's so unfair that that player has that and i don't yeah. have it because it's just for show it's just for appearances they're just bragging Absolutely. right and you Absolutely. look at it like ornaments for your gun or an ornament for you to brag to yourself or if you're streaming to brag to your viewers right i feel that Armor and armor ornaments are bragging to other people in the game with you. Right? An emblem, mm -hmm. a ship, is bragging to other people who are in the game with you. Factual. A sparrow is bragging for yourself, right? Like you can you can target these types of what do you want a player to be bragging about, right? Like if they go flawless, they need to be bragging to everyone. So you give them armor ornaments, right? Factual. If you go flawless in a raid, you want them to be able to brag to themselves. So you give them a weapon ornament, right? Like you can mm -hmm. target this type of reward to a player without holding weapons hostage behind running a raid 20 times, which, mm -hmm. you know, only like 10% of players do raids anyways, right? The amount of players who do a raid 20 times or the amount of players who do a raid multiple times is very, very small, right? And when you say like, look, you have a one out of 50 chance to get anarchy. Well, players, even <laughs> like myself that are hardcore players are like, I'm not doing that. Like, that's not yeah. worth it. Facts. Like, even if even if I could get it my first time, which I could, I'm still not going to do it because it's just not worth it, right? So, mm -hmm. but if you say we guarantee you anarchy the first time you run this raid, every player who gets that quest yeah. and has the ability oh, to yeah, is yeah. going to do the raid once, which gets them in the door. Then mm -hmm. you say in order to get anarchy's catalyst, you do the raid three times, or you do the mm -hmm. raid on hard mode. In right. order to get anarchy's ornament, you do the raid flawless, mm -hmm. right? Or you do the raid on a speed run. In order to get mm -hmm. the ornament for your armor, you you know it's. There are so many avenues that they could go to to reward the player and they haven't quite figured that out yet and also unfortunately a lot of those avenues come through eververse which is right. not a cool way to like reward players because like <laughs> i remember i was uh i was playing destiny and someone messaged me and was like dude that's that ship is so sick where'd you get i was like eververse <laughs> that's like, not that yeah and that's like, terrible no, yeah, yeah, like not go play this content and knock it out here. Not like go do this thing, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like ghost shells, exotic ghost shells, in my opinion. I understand having exotics that are like tied to events like Festival of the Lost and yeah. you know, the summer stuff. Like I understand that, right? Those are specifically made for those events and that's it. But like, in my opinion, exotic ghost shells should be given as in-game rewards for quests that you did, for story missions that you did, like for stuff that you did, you should pick them up from Ikora. Most of the exotic ships you should get from Amanda. They should be given to you for completing triumphs and stuff like that. So that when someone says, where'd you get that ship? You can say, oh man, I had to do this. I yep. had to go and I had to kill yep. 200,000 Forsaken on the Forbidden yep. Shore or something like that, right? Like it was crazy. And then that gives someone something to do. When you say like, oh, I bought it from Eververse. It's like, yeah, you know, I spent six bucks on this shit. But like the other person's like, oh, I don't want to spend six bucks on it. And they just log <laughs> off, right? I was like, so no, there's, that's mm-hmm. been, I've used Pit of Heresy for apparently about, well, I guess the past year now. Feels like it's been out longer. But no, it's like when I went through Pit of Heresy working on it, I soloed it first. And you're like, honestly, that's like what you said. If it's like you solo, you start to get, you know, some armor ornaments or something like that. And then maybe if you solo flawless it, you get something. And they did some of that stuff with Prophecy a little bit. There's a ghost, there's a sparrow. But like also the same thing, thematic things. Like I got the same armor from doing a solo Prophecy run that I did from doing an Eris Essence. And I'm just going... I wanted to look like Zolmec. Like, you give me Zolmec armor, I walk through the tower looking like a fire hive knight. I'm going to be the envy of everybody. And then if my, then if it kind of just looks kind of like lava at first, but then if it's like old school end of D1 glowing armor, if I get solo ornaments or something from doing that, Mm -hmm. like now I've done it five times and I start to earn those. Yeah, Mm -hmm. people are like, okay, what'd you do? It's like, well, I soloed this thing five times and then the the solo flawless gives me like, you know, a halo of a mat. Who knows? But like, Mm -hmm. That was a prime example because the ship that was in the next season that I got from Eververse fit the thematic like Shadowkeep stuff so much. And I was like, oh, and it bugs me. And it's like, and I used it for a little while, but I was just like, this should have totally been in there. Totally. And I'm sorry. No, go ahead. That's yeah. Pit of Heresy. Yeah. So everything you said is completely encompassed in just all my experiences of Pit of Heresy. They got a little better with Prophecy, but still Mm. not quite. No, I completely agree. I think for me, where the epitome of it, it, the epitome of the realization of all of this, what you're saying, is I've put off the Whisper of the Worm catalyst until the very last week of this season. And each week it required me to go in there and as a warlock, face my fears as being the worst jumper going, right? So I had to face my fears and I had to get it done. And I got it done, you know what I'm saying? But the thing about it was coming out of that exotic quest when you did the Void, you did the Ark, you did the Solar, and you get that ship, it's a badge of honor. It is now, I put that on because I know people didn't do that. There's a good percentage of people that didn't do it. And it's like Peacock system, look, Peacock syndrome, like, look at me, like, you, that's destiny. That, to me, is where they need to go back. And I don't understand, look, I understand they need to monetize their business, they need to make money, I get it. But things like what you're saying, Pit of Heresy, that ship that you're talking about, what we know, should have been a reward in for doing it, whether it be solo or whatever it may be. They need to get back to that. And and that's that balance, right? Now, I know this these last couple of twabs, they've been talking about getting back to that. And I, I feel confident that they will, because that's destiny and it's best. The same thing like Merck said, you go into the tower, you, you see that guys with the trials ornament, you're like, whoa, what is that? Like, 
I want to get that. And and armor is fair enough, right? It's not where it's giving that person this advantage, right? But it it's like, yo, this is a badge of honor. He, look at the peacock that just passed by. Wow, that was amazing. He's trying, like, I got to get in there. I got to get that. That's what it's dope, man. But yeah, I really realized it now that I got my Whisper the Worm done and I'm rocking that, you know, that Zol ship and I got the, the little aura around me. I'm like, yeah, I put that work in. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Man. That's I a agree. great feeling. And like, they don't embrace that for a lot of other activities. So mm-hmm. we have a ton of stuff in Eververse, but like, yep. I don't know the last time somebody bought a legendary ghost shell from Eververse. Like, they're pointless, right? Well, like, they don't, no, nah. you don't, you don't mm-hmm. even look at that thing that much when you open it in the first place. Yeah. Much less so, spending money on it. No, that one's yeah. It's like you take a game like Path of Exile. Uh, my buddy played it, and it's free. Crap load of content in there, like a just metric ton. Okay, that's going to change the podcast a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's one of those where those like skins that look like god tier looking armor. You're like, you look absolutely amazing. Those skins are like thirty. But it's free though, and there's hundreds of hours in that game yeah. that they can do. And that's like that's how you choose to support that. This is a Mm -hmm. game with expansions, now seasons that you've got to buy, and all those things that you put in. And if that stuff's not in most of the game, I understand, hey, they can put some cool stuff in Eververse. Maybe Mm -hmm. things like your Iron Banner emote that you're like, I gotta have it. But there should definitely be a lot more stuff to earn. And I'm hoping, as you said, they continue to embrace the idea of putting stuff in the game to earn. That's where a lot of it should be to keep people playing. Because if you see something cosmetic, and as you said, Merc, I bought it. That ruins it for a lot of people really fast. Absolutely. So, you know, the yes. Iron Banner emote, mm-hmm. I, you know, we talked this about them when we were there, but mm-hmm. they were like, oh, well, the Iron Banner emote, like that should be an in-game reward, right? Like that shouldn't be a... You're about to get some entertainment. Continue. Continue, uh, nice. bro. You're about to get some free entertainment. Shout that... out. Who put the sit up for E? Continue. <laughs> oh, they put them in the chat. It's on now. Fitness time. Oh, you're just not ready for this. We had the last word here. We believe in fitness. And thanks for redeeming those 5,000 push-ups. We're all sitting out here with the COVID belly. We're trapped in our houses and you can't work out. But you got Ebontis and Lord Cognito. Give, look at that perfect form. Elbows hitting the knees. Mark is like, what's happening? What podcast did I join? You joined the last word, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we do out here. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah, they laugh. They're killing them right now. People are sitting on points to make E do exercises. This that's is amazing. A, that's, a good, that's a good use of points, I feel. Like, <laughs> Whoa, you felt the burn. Eh? We felt the burn, brother. <laughs> Working up a sweat while podcasting. That's good stuff. <laughs> See, and the best thing is, I never know what he says because I don't listen to it and I can't I hear know. it. It's great. <laughs> I do the play by play when you're out there because I, I knew Burke didn't know what the hell was going on right now. He's not. like, What is happening? Uh. <laughs> His face was classic. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what did I walk into? <laughs> Oh, we got the dab going. Yeah, they they use these points, man. Oh, they make they use the points. But continue, Berg. I interrupt you. We had to get our fitness segment in. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Yeah, I've never never been so distracted in the middle of podcast. So I, I've uh, I've lost my train of thought, and you guys can, can take was that. Was you mesmerized by the glorious uh, form? I, I remember as the Iron Banner emote now. Yeah, so yeah, I was. I was like, oh, those are some nice looking setups right there. All right, good job. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Banner, you know, we even told him we were like look man like if it's iron banner themed you should be able to get it from iron banner like you shouldn't yeah. be selling that stuff in eververse because it it's like themed to iron banner which is an in-game activity like sure make it a really hard quest in iron banner mm-hmm. or i said even do this sell one in eververse it's one color 
and then make one that you can only get through a quest in Iron Man that's another color, right? Mm-hmm. So if you see someone doing the green version of the emote, you know they got that <laughs> shit from a quest. <laughs> they doing the yellow version of the emote, you know that they paid money for it, right? Like even do something like that, but don't just stick it in Eververse. And they were like, well, when you make something attainable in game, there's this weird mental thing that people have where if something is attainable in game, even if they will not attain it, they mm. won't buy it from yeah. the in-game store, right? Even if they won't get it, they still won't buy it in the in-game store. Mm. And they said, like, that's a really hard thing that you have to deal with. Like, they know for a fact that even though the players would like it more if it was attainable mm-hmm. through an in-game quest, mm-hmm. such a significantly smaller number of players would buy it from the store that it basically is no longer worth it to even put it in the store at all, right? And then, because it's an emote, they wouldn't do the work making that emote if it wasn't going to go into the store. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they aren't going to build that emote for Iron Banner because Iron Banner's not making them any money. It costs money to make the emote. Right. So they're like, our choices are don't make the emote at all mm-hmm. and we don't make any more money. Or make the emote and put it in the store and put it in game, in which case we lose money and it wasn't worth making the emote. Right. Or make the emote and put it in the store so at least then people can buy it and like, right. you know. And they're like, that's the honest truth. And it was like, well, honestly, the best solution is like, don't make emotes that are focused on. Iron Banner and stuff like that. Like, yeah. You know, make no, emotes that are playing guitar or like playing the drums <laughs> or something. Yeah. Just continue absolutely. to do that because nobody complains about those not being available in game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those aren't a big deal. But what was it? The uh, Whisper of the Worm. You had the two ornaments for Whisper that ended up paying for what was it? Zero hour or something like that. Yes. They had them that way. And that's the thing. Hey, this cool thing that you can go earn. It's a big deal. Everybody on the world of Destiny is talking about this quest. Then when you go get cool quest, now you can customize that thing to look a couple of different ways. And that's one of those that they said ended up paying for it that way. And they haven't done that in a while. They've done it a couple yeah. times, but they have only done only a few exotic quests anyway. But they haven't done those that are. And as you said, what if like there was the raid exotic? You go do that and then you turn around and can, you know, buy a couple emotes. And that quest took them into the raid, then took them to the Eververse. And that's like feels like you get people in more activities and into the store. It's kind of a double win potentially, but. I know there's somewhere in that equation that it's a lot harder than I'm making it sound. I know that. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree, brother. I was like, I know we've kept you for a while. I know for yeah, we got most of the, yeah. Uh, I was like, I know for most of the sandbox changes, like everybody's looked over them. For me, the biggest one I saw was like the anti-champion mods seem quite exciting mm-hmm. for the armor to give that shift over. And I'll just kind of be curious how that's implemented out. But as we're wrapping up, I know there's stuff coming to the store that looks really cool. I know the downtime is going to be like 14 hours. I want to ask you guys two things. One, are you doing anything kind of unique for your downtime? 14 hours. You could just be sleeping for all I know. And then two, um, just kind of your last. Is there any like surprise or any final want for Beyond Light that you may not have seen yet that you hope to be surprised by? Mark? I don't know if there's anything that I'm like hoping to be surprised by and kind of just hoping like the release goes smooth and it's good fun and it's a good story and like it gets people hooked i mean the population has been really really low this is probably the hardest destiny has ever been challenged population wise in its existence Um, it doesn't help that it's split across three platforms now instead of two but also there's just a ton of really great games out there right now like a ton of good games um it's a great time to be a gamer but it's a bad time to be trying to bring people back in with an expansion that's already been delayed. So I just really want to see everything go well. I want to see people come back to the game. I want to see, you know, 
players that haven't played in a little bit turn it back on. I want to see new players, players coming in from Game Pass. Like, I want to see Destiny, you know, crush it again for a nice little bit. And I want to see things go so smoothly that those people stick around and they play because the game's best when there's more people playing it. So absolutely brother i'm with you man i'm with you and uh you gotta get i talked yeah well xbox that that's a big deal i think with the um with the game pass i know we talked bne has talked about it yeah i'm in the same boat i mean new expansion man the stiff the fall expansion is always where it's at you know for me i love it you get the most content the biggest type of story beats all that stuff i know we didn't talk about it briefly but um these anti-champion mods on armor y'all all about that you know, and that is going to open up exciting opportunities for exotic use. Exactly. And I can't wait. That man, I got dust. I got my. I'm glad I got my catalyst done for outbreak perfected. You know, it, it, it's so many things. I can't wait to just not be pigeonholed into a legendary and forced to only have the mod for that legendary to use barrier or whatever it is, and. It's going to give flexibility. We're going to see some fun combos. I was actually surprised they did it, E, because you know I thought they were going to try to play it safe, knowing that we'll put together some fun combinations for these nightfalls. I mean, really I've, been say, I've literally been saying it for a year. I'm like, all you are is breaking. If your if your exotic weapon was already balanced where you think it should be, the only mm. thing you're doing is allowing people to use it against exotics, and they right. took that away for about a year. And then, honestly, the big thing is now the fact that, like, theoretically, if what Graviton Lance is always an example, if that's a balanced gun in their mind, if you give me the option to now use that as an unstoppable, all you're letting me do is use it as an unstoppable. Everything else Mm -hmm. functions the same. But now I can actually use that as an option. I'm not forced to go basically just use a heavy exotic because that's the only one that's not a champion. Yeah. Anti-champion mods are going to be fun. I have to ask Merck this question, though. Do you think, Merck? Because this is where it gets a little, I, I, I got to be a little pro developer here, but I, I wanted to see what your thought is. Do you think with this change that Ariana's Vow, Leviathan's Breath, exotics that have already intrinsic champion, anti-champion perks on them will also be allowed to have that additional one Based on the, the armor stuff, the mods go anti champion mods also going on armor. Do two you birds think we will with get one stone there, basically. Two, do, will Ariana's Vile be able to do anti barrier and overload if you spec it? Um, I would think that no, I would think that they would remove that and they would put it on. Um, yeah, uh, I would think that for the sake of balance, that they would remove that just functionality from all the exotics that have it, right? Like, we. Mm. Not all the exotics have it already, so it would actually kind of be more uniform and more expected of a functionality that way. Now, that's additional development work, right? So maybe they just decided, screw it, we'll just let Ariana's Val, we'll let Leviathan's Breath, like, we'll just let him do too, who cares, right? Like, what's the worst that could happen? Someone enjoys using an exotic a little bit more than they were going to enjoy it before. Like, it's probably not going to break the game, so... You know, they might just say, yeah, whatever, screw it. Some these things get a bonus. But I would think balance wise that it would be better if they did remove it because mm-hmm. then all exotics are back on an even footing, which is really mm-hmm. where they should have been to begin with. Right. And mm-hmm. the alternative is giving all exotics one of those, you know, behaviors by default. And that's the most work. So I definitely don't think they're going to do that. So follow up question. Do you think it was a mistake or the right direction to push exotics into having anti-champion perks in general 
I I think it was a mistake, but that's because I don't think that the anti-champion... I don't necessarily know that I enjoy the champion mechanic in the game. I can vouch for that! (laughs) You guys, okay, okay. No, I literally just got done going through Conquer, and I can honestly tell you, like, yeah, you can set up and sync for it, but... The unstoppable I'm most okay with because that's a point where you have an aggressive enemy changes right. the mechanic behind them. Mm-hmm. The uh, And they also don't get their health back, which is one of the biggest you know, things. Like the infinite healing oh, champions? The barrier, like if you're not literally as soon as you see the animation start, it's almost like Dark Souls. <laughs> you got to see the animation start and be ready for that shield to pop. Instantly get that barrier shot on there or that health goes so fast. <laughs> it, Oh, it's, so like, and that's one of those like I would love to see them change the way champions function. Or, I mean, also mm-hmm. the fact that the health regenerates cannot tell you how much that pisses me off. If I have to break a shield again, that's fine. But if you break a shield, you hang there for a second, and you get your health back. That's why I like seeing somebody like Esoteric solo it is like the timing has to be so perfect, constantly mm-hmm. keeping damage, and it's just like it drains your ammo. That's the biggest thing. So yeah, no, it does. It the does. the champions themselves, since they've been implemented, the unstoppable, I like. It takes an enemy that might kind of be Roman mm-hmm. or like an ogre that's shooting, and the dude mm-hmm. starts running, you got to stop him in his tracks. So it's like, that's mm-hmm. theoretically kind of, that's a different one. But as you stop them, health slowly works its way down, even mm-hmm. though they get that. So it's like, that one I can kind of understand. But the other two, overload's just about as bad. Because if you don't overload them right and they're still running at you and you don't have mm-hmm. the overload ammo and they get their health back. It's the health coming back up in an activity where it's already hard enough to manage everything right. else. You shouldn't be penalized just to try and survive what is already chaos. Couldn't continue, Mark. You definitely yeah. sparked something for me. I think Sorry. that champions are the, love it. a little bit the worst of both worlds, right? Like they, mm. If you don't have the correct mod, they're almost impossible to kill. And if you do have the correct mod, they're relatively easy to kill to the point yeah. where it's like, oh, that didn't add anything to my gameplay other than forcing me to use mm. a particular loadout, right? Which mm-hmm. I don't like because I think part of the fun of Destiny is building a loadout that works for me right. uh, to defeat a particular challenge. And I don't think being told that I have to use a hand cannon because it has armor piercing on it or unstoppable on it, it's really very much fun for me. So I, I don't like anything that limits my loadout by force. I like figuring out a loadout because I've played the encounter and then picking a loadout that works. So mm-hmm. my preference would be that things like armor piercing just worked against enemies that were already in the game, like the hobgoblins when they shield themselves or like the knights when they shield themselves. Like I would just like if armor piercing worked against that naturally. Mm-hmm. I would like if unstoppable just worked against more aggressive enemies and you know, like stuff like that. Like I think that they could have made it to where champions were easier to kill without those mods. Mm-hmm. So the mods didn't feel like a flat out requirement. requirement. But then, you know, the mods wouldn't be as important. I mean, I just personally, I think it was just one more wrench into like, I, I think they're just like throwing stuff at the wall. Like when we had war mine mods and charged with light mods. And like mm. at this point, I think they're just throwing stuff at the wall and they're like trying to see what sticks. Sticks, right. right. And in my opinion, it's cluttering the PVE sandbox Mm. to a pretty significant amount where we're starting to get a lot of like extraneous stuff to where like Mm. I'm pretty involved in the game. And even sometimes I'm like, wait, what what am I supposed to be doing here? Like what is going on in this Mm. particular thing? Like there's 
there's just a lot. There's like a sensory a overload. Yeah, there and is. there's a loadout overload where you're like, I have to have this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And then when you have all of it, it's like it doesn't even matter anyways because it just, you know, you just breeze through stuff. But mm-hmm. so I think that uh, from a mechanic perspective, I kind of wish that they would just do away with champions like in general. Mm-hmm. And I hope that this is either the beginning of them phasing it out by removing mm-hmm. it from all the weapons and making it an armor thing and then slowly starting to drop it out like the same way they're probably going to do with the Warmind stuff. Like I don't expect the Warmind cells to be in here for all of eternity, yeah. right? Like I think that was like a one-time thing. They tried it. They were like, eh, I don't know about this. Let's phase it out, right? Charge with mm-hmm. Light seems like it's here to stay, at least for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Charge with Light's fun. To me, I think Charge with Light's a really interesting mechanic. Right? I finally started to... I'm sorry, continue. No. The Charge with Light doesn't ever feel like a necessity. Charge of Light only ever feels like it enhances your gameplay experience if you feel like specking into it. If you don't, I don't feel like it takes anything away from you. If you don't equip a champion mod, you're going to get slapped in the face by one of those champions and you're going to lose whatever engagement you're in because you can't beat it or it's very difficult to beat it. I don't like stuff like that very much. I agree. I know you're making valid points, but I I wanted to pick your brain on that because I, I definitely understand your mindset there being locked into those type of modes. And like you said, I, it's funny you said Charge with Light because that's what I finally dug into the last... It's been sitting around for a while, but I finally committed. And I was like, all right, let me mess around. And the builds are fun, man. Especially, I've got a survivability build with that... What is it? The um, It's a, it's a void one. It's protective light. Yep. So like the more Charge with Light you have... I mean, it's a get out of jail free card in certain situations where you could get lashed and your energy killed and you're still alive for about 14, 10 seconds. It's giving you this little health buff, um, supercharged, it's super underrated to let you stack more. Obviously, we don't even need to talk about Lucid Blade, right? I mean, Lucid Blade is is whoo, is out here. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, like charge with light is charge really with now power, by the way, man. We'll get that oh, yeah, clarification. Now yeah, charge with power now. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, it's it's really, it's really important. So I, I can't wait you know, to to see where else they go with it. And I do agree with you with your last point, where I think that the Warmind Excels was more experimental. That was more with figuring out what we're doing with this thing kind of deal. I know one of them was like pick up and throw and other stuff. But yeah, I, I think Charger Light's kind of where they lean it towards. And I, I do like that. Those are, Charger Light's those great. Are. That's how all stuff, like that's how master working and everything like that should be like, you should be able to get a base version of some functionality which you can play the game at. And then for those people who care, mm-hmm. there should be a deeper level that provides you with a, a small benefit, but a noticeable benefit, but mm-hmm. not enough to where if you don't do it, you can't complete something, right? Like I, I don't like that type of exclusivity, but you know, charge with light because I, you know, like you, I ignored it for the first couple seasons it was out. Thought yep. it was kind of dumb, thought it was kind of pointless, didn't really care started realizing that like how much I could do with high energy fire and PVP, which is a double stacker rampage hundred percent of the time you have it up just for picking up. A Serious. Yeah. Well, turns out it makes Ariana's bow one shot. Uh, turns out it makes Le Monarch one shot. Turns wow. out that it makes bygones two burst. Like it's a high impact despite wow. the fact that it has a faster rate of fire. So now it's a staple in, in gameplay for me. And I make mm-hmm. a point to make sure that every armor loadout I have has all my charged light mods on it that I want for mm-hmm. PvP, and I go around picking up orbs. I use yep. all masterwork weapons, so if I yep. get lucky and I get a double yep. kill, it generates an orb. And orbs I'm on the ground, it, charging right? light, let's like, go. It's it's a whole different ball game for me, but at the same time, like if I had never known about charged light, I'd still be playing the game and I'd still be doing just fine on my own. So 
Yeah. That's the type of bonuses that I like to see. I actually like what they're doing with the adept weapons, where mm-hmm. the adept weapons get some slightly different mods that are stat bonuses, where master working adept weapon gives you more stats across the board. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I like that because an adept weapon is not going to, you know, be a game changer over a normal right. version of that weapon. But for people who care about min maxing, it's gonna be like, you know, I'll go oh. get it because why would it? It's not going to hurt me to have more stats on everything. Like it'll make it a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. But a casual player is not going to look at my gun and and think, "Oh, his gun is so much better than mine because he has three right. more stability and three more handling." Right? Like it's not mm-hmm. going to work that way. But you know, for me, for someone who min maxes everything that I possibly can, like yeah, that's going to be great for me. Yeah. Um, but the champions are just kind of the opposite of that. It's like you don't have a choice: either use this or die. Or and die because like yeah, you won't get past them. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And it forced. Yeah, it was like an. I mean, that made Ariana's to a point like the, I can't tell you, did six grandmasters, Ariana's was involved for most of them. If barrier's in there, it's Ariana's because you have the range, you have the amount of shots that you need, and they never get specials in there. And that's the only one that's kind of special and it hits hard enough to matter. But I mean, if you had barrier on a sniper rifle, why the hell not? Every barrier typically is going to be a long range enemy anyway. Let me pop it with a sniper and then turn around and fire and hit the crit that I already staggered. Like that's, it seems a little too obvious as opposed to, oh, let me do barriers with a submachine gun. And then now they're going to be barriers with a sword, by the way, a chainsaw sword that's coming. That's going to let you, that's like, okay, so this is high risk, high reward. I know that's what it is, but I'm like, dude, grandmasters are tough enough. If you sneeze in the wrong direction, you're going to die in there. So said it, they said it. Dad said. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dad dad said we can't stay in far distance away pick picking away at things dad said we can't stay in protective wells reloading and melting things to death dad doesn't like it okay dad, so he, that's very clear that's totally this. fine here's the difference <laughs> when they say don't do that don't make something so artificially difficult at 1100 where you're capped at 1075 where if a sniper looks at you wrong and you don't catch one out of the corner of your eye or they head i had an enemy head shot head peek me <laughs> in a grandmaster i was like dude it's barely over wall i can't even see the and i'm just dead <laughs> and i'm like i didn't even see the shot that the level the the artificial difficulty is still something they've crutched on since crota yeah. and i still am not a fan of that in the pve setting contest is like to a point where they want those things to be difficult and like and that's a temporary thing but yeah. it was like when you and I made it through like we did it all. But it's just like it's not. I wish they would work on more mechanics as opposed to just artificial punishment. I no. guess that's just me. No, well, they, they do. They have modifiers underneath the scenes. So in D1, they were explored. You could change the difficulty, normal, heroic, epic, right? Or difficulties. And when you change those modifiers, the enemies shot faster, shot more accurately, were more aggressive, had more health, right? Like they were things, those still exist behind the scenes in D2, right? And they do get turned up. Like you'll notice in Gambit on round one compared to round yeah. two. Like oh, the enemies yeah, are more yeah. accurate. Good point. Like, man, I'm dying a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's because they flip that switch basically in the background. You can't see it, but it is happening. And that happens in Grandmaster Nightfalls too. The only reason they're using, um, the only reason they're using light level to do stuff like that is because of the way they handle like enemy health and enemy damage dealt in the in the back end is more dependent on light level because they introduce that as a mechanic on the player side, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like they could technically like show you your light level as being even 
and then actually have the enemies like scaled higher in the back end. But that's less transparent to the player and it doesn't actually give and then you would feel like it was unfair that they were one-shotting you. But the problem is it's like the AI in this game just isn't quite at the same level as like what the AI was in Halo in terms right. of its abilities to like do multiple yes. things like take cover and function take as a squad. Cover as, it, yeah. yeah. They're much more like independent little AI units and they don't work tremendously well as parts of a whole like they did in in Halo, right? I agree. So in order to make them difficult for something like a grandmaster they kind of have to keep you scaled under light level mm-hmm. if they didn't if you were at level it wouldn't really be very much of a challenge and then it would be because you would be tankier the enemies would die faster like there's only so much they can do with making them smarter and shoot more accurately without right. them dealing more damage and taking more damage right not fair fair enough man well man uh I think we've covered a lot, but I also want to make sure we respect your time and let you get some sleep because it's getting late for a couple of you guys and me as well. Um, is there anything you guys else wanted to basically say before Beyond Light? Because it's 36 hey, hours away. <laughs> what I was going to say is I'm ready. New expansion. You know, I'm going deep dive into that bad boy. Lose my life. Two weeks of vacation. I'm ready. Ooh. Let's go. Let's oh, two go. weeks of vacation. That's Look, a good I, one. My yeah. boss knew what time it was. I said, you know yeah. it's Destiny, right? You know? <laughs> Two consoles coming out, Beyond Light, life is good, man. I'm good. Let's um, go. I'm jealous of that, man. I'm working from home, so I'm not even going to take any PTO. I'm just going to try to play as much as I can in between like meetings and everything like that. I'm just <laughs> See, I've been doing You're it like, all oh, year. What? I'm yeah. sorry. I should have been Bro, muted. My bad. <laughs> I've, been, I've been the same boat. I've been doing it all year, but I work from home. I'm like, I got to take this vacation before I lose it. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. So that's what Oh. Yeah. Uh, but it's what about fun. you, Mark? It's going to be a good time. I'm stoked for it. I just, I want to play some good Destiny. I want to play with the new subclasses. I want to see what new weapons there are. I'm excited about the new raid when it finally drops. Like, I'm excited about the story. I'm excited about people coming back to my clan who haven't been Ooh. playing in a while because, you know, it's been a drought as far as this has been the longest we've gone, I feel like, in between content yeah. releases for Destiny. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the, uh, for the end of season event or whatever it is before they yeah. flip the switch and turn the servers off or whatever that is. They said the, the yeah. lights go out, so I'm interested uh, to see how they're going to do that. But yeah. 14 hours? Yeah, so you've got servers go down at 7 p.m. Pacific, I believe, and there's a baby patch at 4. Yeah. Everybody's going to kick out get a baby patch. So I think that is going to either be like, at about 4.05, when you log back in, we're going to have an idea of like, hey, join in the tower, whatever this is. It's going to be happening around that time. And they did it, I think, late enough in the day. They're going to hopefully give people a chance to get off of work to see it. Yeah. And then servers are going to go down. So and hopefully it doesn't last for like six hours. Like, last <laughs> one day. like hopefully it's just like 15 I, I, minutes I or something. I think they got the feedback on that one that it's going to be slow. Either it's going to be a briefer experience for sure. Um, but as we wrap up, Merck, I want to just give you the floor uh, where they where everybody can find you, where what you got going on, where they can expect to see you. Just anything you got coming up. Uh, let everybody know, because this is your time to spread the word. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm on the Destiny Massive Breakdowns podcast. We record every Thursday night, released Friday morning. Um, that's me and my buddy, Kid Kacha. We pretty much talk about the Destiny Sandbox. Obviously, we talk about current Destiny news, but the real focus is on the Destiny Sandbox. So. Do weapon reviews, you know, 
Uh, anytime new weapons come out, we like to talk about those. Uh, you can also find me on Reddit, although not nearly as much because unfortunately I don't have a ton of time anymore. But when I do, I post on Reddit. You can find my Destiny Massive Breakdowns weapon stat spreadsheet. Uh, if you Google that, you should be able to find it pretty easily. It's got all the weapons on it. And then I'm also on the Firing Range podcast, which is every other Wednesday. That's part of the Destiny Community Podcast family. And I'm actually going to be on DCP uh, this Thursday. Stay with this Jess. Thursday? I think it's this Thursday. I hope it's this Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I also got the date wrong. It might be next Thursday. But I'm also going to be on the Destiny Community Podcast as well as a guest. So got a Dope. lot of stuff upcoming uh, coinciding with Beyond Light. It's going to be a busy time, but I'm looking forward to it. Dope, nice. man. Absolute pleasure. Like I said, I wanted to thank you for coming on and, and E for making this happen. You know what I'm saying? It's few people. I fanboy. Burke was one of them. Like I told you, like I said, I used to watch to read the, that Reddit religiously. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I love that. All the minutia with that stuff excites me. So salute to you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Love seeing you grow in the community. Really, really cool, man. I'm glad you came on. Dude, I appreciate that. Thank you guys for having me. I miss the fact that I don't get to write on Reddit as much, but I, I stopped by Crucible Playbook the other day and dropped some knowledge on someone who was talking Woo! about sniper rifles without really knowing what was going on. Yeah, I got like, oh, school them. You had to school them. I was like, I can't let this slide, man. This person doesn't know what they're talking uh, about. They've got like 300 upvotes and they got, they're completely pushing out some wrong information. I was like, nah, I'm not going to have this. So I still stop by from time to time and, you know, I, I write a little something, something, but yeah, a little while since I've done a breakdown. He is a beast at this. Oh, no. Like, That's I, I, not accurate. I looked, believe me, before because that intro comes with a little research. And I looked and I saw one. I was like, oh, shut down. Like, oh, yeah, you shut them you down. You need to send them to the burn unit, man, because, God, yeah. that was it. was, But Dude, it was just like it was so it was, tactfully done and yeah. data and saw and everybody. And I saw the people below be like, yep, thanks, Merkit. There you are. Haven't yep. seen you in a little while. There you go. Yeah. Crushed it. Like, yep. the people yeah. know when you're there. And I was just like, damn. Yeah, because dudes are coming there with that emotional anecdotal evidence acting like it's fact and then running with it and then you see Bert coming in I'm like oh he about to bomb him with the facts let me see yeah, what this nah. is I don't, I don't stand for that type of stuff people <laughs> people get off on that all the time they're like oh I feel like this I feel like this it's like let me explain to you why you're wrong and here we go let me show you some stats get him Bert no absolutely yeah. man that's awesome that's awesome yeah. well, what about you Cog what do you got? Yeah, or what, what just happened today for a change of events? Oh, man. What a day. What a day. Double duty today. You know what I'm saying? But um, salute to everybody that turned out, man. We had uh, Jason Ronald, the uh, creator of the uh, uh, Series X, the Series S on Iron Lost podcast. Tremendous, man. Learned a lot. This man, besides looking like a wizard with that amazing beard, <laughs> he is a technical wizard. Like, he is a beast, man. Salute to everybody that came through. Again, Iron Lost podcast every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern. You know, supporting it was a, it was a good turnout, and we learned a lot about these new systems, machine learning, everything that's going on with ray tracing, and, and and everything that's involved with these new consoles. And we're here, man. We're about a week away. I mean, actually, a few days away. I was like, and, yeah, that's the same as that. That one's yep. two days. That's beyond light pickup. So, yeah. so if you haven't catch it, check it up. It's on the Island Podcast YouTube channel. You already know at Lord Cognito on Twitter, and of course, please again support. Thank you for the support for the website LordsGaming.net. A lot of positive energy with the reviews and stuff, and people sh- you know sharing it and retweeting the articles and stuff like that. And uh, you already know that last word with my man Ebontis, little Sunday night campfire. Well worth it, man. A pleasure. And salute to you for doing your thing, man. Seeing the Outrider stuff. Just got to get you to retweet your stuff more. Dude, we talked but, uh, about that. That was yeah. a Twitter glitch. Make so. it visible now. Make it I visible had that now, thing sir. scheduled out and everything uh, matched the video. 
Uh-huh. This man's giving me a hard time on self-marketing right. over here. It's fine. Not because you make he makes good content, and I'm just like, he, well, you gotta give you this. You do retweet. I like scream. Here's another one. I gotta get on. But now nah, you guys make great. I want to get you guys out there more. But yeah, salute to you, man. I see you moving. Godfall, Outriders, Ambassador, all the looter shooters. Let's go. Um, trying to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, like this. That's why I said, like in the introduction, is like this past week has been a real life roller coaster. And then I think it works fairly well, but depending on if you're a content creator or not, this next week is where hopefully a lot of people can get a nice distraction in the world of video games with a lot of things coming, a lot of options between Assassin's Creed, Miles Morales, Sackboy, Demon's Souls, Godfall, Destiny, and then Cyberpunk comes in December. So if you manage to finish eight other games, you got big giant one waiting for you then too. So there's a lot of stuff coming for me. Tuesday's Destiny. Wednesday is Destiny. Thursday is Godfall and Destiny. Probably mixing those and then Demon Souls. I'll see how that fits into the schedule, but those are my three to start with, at least. I have hopefully at least one PS5 showing up at my house in some way or another. I don't don't trust anything until I get a tracking number and basically it's in my hands because the way it looks right now, until it's in your hands, things on yeah. Reddit, things on Twitter seem to be like a big maybe. Mm-hmm. So... Hopefully that happens. If I get it in my hands, I'll be playing it. But other than that, at least one. Yeah, there's multiple pre-orders, but there's other people who I'm helping. If I get more than one, they're going to go away pretty quick. So, hey, it was like you, unfortunately, it's like, I don't even know if you get one of those yet. So I'm saying there were other people before, dude. Mark, do you got any openings at the massive breakdown? (laughs) Do you got any openings? Because I'm not getting any love here. (laughs) Hey, I just wanted to know. I was like, my brother's the priority because the way he ordered his, even though I gave him crap about it, I don't know if his is coming. So my brother gets dibs. Stone Stone gets priority. My brother gets dibs. So like, that's why I was like, depending on how many show. That's why. So it's like, I just, I threw as many hats in the ring as I could. But yeah, my brother gets priority over you, sadly. Yes, he does. (laughs) Salute the stone. Salute the stone. That's the whole, that's the whole. All right, you get a pass. Hey, my nephews are like my biggest fans anyway, so I got to look out for him. Wow, it'd be your own people sometimes, Cognito. I know, I know. (laughs) I just, you know, I just show up here, you know. Well, as you may have seen, um, Merck, when we wrap this thing up, I kind of give the little outro. Have a big pause, and we'll try and say the last word together. Don't wait on me. When you start saying it, I'll catch you through the joys of internet delays. So, everybody, you guys have been amazing. Chat has been awesome this week. We got a lot to look forward to. I don't make any promises yet for a last word on yeah. Friday between Cog and I. It would just be the two of us. We'll see if we get time for it in between the chaos. But for today, November 8th, thank you guys. Um, it's been awesome. For this episode, it has been the last, the last word. word. Last word. <laughs>